This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. Garcia's home. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black here on ESPN 1000. Adam Abdallah also here. I don't want to forget Adam. I'm just adjusting my volume so I can hear myself think. I can go. It's cool. No, no, no. I need a nap. You're sticking around. You're sticking around. 13 seconds into the show and you're trying to leave. I, I knew Adam was, see how it is. I knew Adam was going to be like this when I saw after the uh, Warriors won. He said, uh, I think it was 86 days till college football. Yeah. So that's what Adam's... Ooh, 84 now. 84. There you go. 84 now. There you go. Abdallah Black-Hubner here as we are on Sunday mornings to talk about sports. We'll be here all the way until 12 noon. We also, guys, have tickets to give away a concert from two guys that I know neither of you have ever seen. Do you just want these? Huh? Do you just want these? No, I'm only I'm only a fan of one of them, and it's only a fan of three songs, and I got those on my iPod. So, I, oh. you know, but I, I, many, many people that I grew up with enjoy these guys a lot, and it'll be jumping at the Huntington Bank Pavilion. We've got tickets for Steve Miller and Peter Frampton coming up on June 14th. We got one pair of tickets to Ooh. give away. And we're not going to do it with just like, here, keep listening, and we'll ask you to be the third caller or the fourth caller. But we will ask you to keep listening, because we will have we'll have a song bite in a little bit, and we'll play that. Oh, and then when you hear it the second tune? time, right? Name that tune? Well, no, not name that tune. Are we, we going to play four songs at once, and, and you have to figure out what four of those songs no, we, we don't want No, we don't want Eric oh, to have to do okay. nearly that production, right, that much production. Right. And, and, and Chris Black, you know, he is attired in his Golden State warm-up. Waiting for the Golden State warm-up that actually has, you know, a uh, 17-18 championship on it. Yeah, I can, I can one get of one of those, too. I, l- listen, <laughs> I uh, I love the NBA, so I uh, I wear NBA apparel. Uh-huh. So uh, I figured I'd wear this uh, today because it's uh, cold outside, and there's a new champion in the... Oh, wait, it's the old champion yeah. in the NBA. Back-to-back for the Golden State Warriors. So. It is. I wanted to ask everybody out there, 312-332-3776. We're also going to talk... Basketball with Michael Lee from Yahoo, um, who covers the NBA. My MLB Notebook at 10.30. Nick Friedel at 11. We'll talk a lot of Cubs because they just keep winning. They won 11 of 13. Uh, They had a road trip, which they came home from, and they played Philadelphia and uh, pretty much took care of that, two out of three. And now Pittsburgh is just... You know, aimlessly running around on the field and falling down in the sun and things like that. And to the advantage of the Cubs, which is good for them as they get a 2 nothing win yesterday. John Lester was superb. Uh, sometimes I think John Lester is underappreciated by uh, Cub baseball fans. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You guys can tell me. 312-332-3776. But I do want to know, is there any other sport out there where you can predict the finals participants and the eventual champion before the season? 
more than the NBA. I mean, All this right. is about the third or fourth season we've done this. It is 9.05, so it's yeah. time for All right, let's, what, let's hear what is what Fred else is, uh, bothering Fred today? today? That's no, I'm looking. No one could have predicted that Philadelphia would have been in the Super Bowl last year. Okay. Or won the Super Bowl. No one could have predicted that the Astros and Dodgers would have necessarily been in the World Series. And the NHL, Lord knows, nobody would have predicted that Las Vegas would have been in the finals of the Stanley Cup. So I assume that this is brought up because the root uh, thought to all of this is that it is somehow less interesting to you. Yes, than the other sports because of randomness. No, less inter- less interest. The regular season becomes less interesting because at the end of the year you know how it's going to turn out. Okay, so so you're saying because you know the end result, the entertainment is less valuable to you yeah. than the other sports. Right. It's an interesting perspective. Uh, I think some people could also say that knowing what you're going to get is why people love what they're watching. You know, there's a reason you go to McDonald's. You mm-hmm. know what you're going to get at McDonald's at every single McDonald's two, across the world. Two sausage burritos right? this morning on the way in. Yeah. Right. So McDonald's is the reason Starbucks works mm-hmm. as a franchise. As I go Kung Cowherd on you right now, the reason it works is no matter where you go to Starbucks, it's going to be the same grande coffee you get in Chicago, Seattle, L.A., right. Tokyo, wherever you go. Right. The same. And mm-hmm. and being comfortable in knowing what's there. Knowing the storylines, I think to some people is interesting. There's a now, reason now, that a four game sweep is never interesting. No, it's no, not. no, that's not no. But just because you know the the end results, it, it's interesting that uh, you don't like that, and that's the lead today because I think some people in TV ratings up until this four game sweep have shown that people wanted to see the Cavs and the Warriors the last three years. There's a reason that every movie at the movie theater has a two or a three. Or some form of something after the colon, because well, right. we're, we're in the they, age it, of the Avengers, sequels, right? Yeah. So it's There's all sequels. about stuff you already but, know. To get to the so like Jurassic World, the second Jurassic World comes out next week, ne- right. next two weekends, whatever the twenty second, and so we all know it's going to happen. Dinosaurs are going to crush a bunch of stuff and eat people. We get it, and people are going to survive. But you, but you're still going to go because because Jeff Goldblum's in it. And Jeff Goldblum's awesome, and because Chris You're Pratt not going is in it, Chris Pratt's in it, well, and Chris Pratt's in it, okay. and people love Chris Pratt. You watch because, yeah, you know it's going to happen, but you like the people in it. You like knowing what you're going to get, but it's how you get there. Like the 76ers run was awesome. Watching the Celtics take the Cavs to seven games was awesome. Watching the Rockets take the Warriors to seven games was awesome. Yeah, the finals were kind of a dud, but. You know, you got to see. Well, there's a lot all of the playoffs st- leading up with the twenty and twenty and twenty five point finals. You know, in in the in the conference finals weren't that great either, were they? No, but I think that you get in playoff games. You get that's that's just what happens. You see how teams adjust, and and teams know. I think in the NBA, you get to a certain point, you get to a certain lead, and you're just like, okay. We'll get them tomorrow. Well, and I'm not see that, but that never used to happen. It, it, it never, and I'm not. I'm not going into the Michael Michael LeBron thing. But it never. When a team was down by 15 or 18, they didn't just say, "Okay, this game's over. We're giving up. We're putting our guys on the bench. This one's over with. We'll worry well, about I, the next." I, game. I remember a finals game where the Bulls got blown out by what 37 by the Seattle SuperSonics. They still won the series, but in the fourth quarter of that game, the the Bulls were out. You know, so that happened back in the day, too. All right, so, uh, okay, so you mentioned the NHL. The fact that that is a random sport, I don't think that that's a better thing for the NHL. I think it's, it's the fact that it's random that anyone could get to the Stanley Cup as long as you make the playoffs. 
that doesn't help them in the long run. Well, it's now, not baseball, through the NHL and because it, it, it supported my uh, my argument. No, I know. And because that's I why, I that's why care, I used it. Because I couldn't care less who was now, in the finals. Now, baseball, yeah. so I'm sorry, few, the final. So few teams make the baseball playoffs that I think knowing the players there, mm-hmm. the teams that get there, baseball is better when you know the Cubs, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, Red Sox, Yankees. When you get the Miami Marlins, that's not better for baseball. So, like, I, I get your concept that knowing the end result is a problem, but I would argue that the sport is more interesting when you know the storylines and everyone can kind of follow along. You know, we all watch sports all day long. It's all we do. Yeah. But I think most people that listen and watch are only tuning in when those things are actually happening. You know, we, we're inundated with information. We watch the shows on SportsCenter. We watch all this different stuff. So I like I, I would argue the best thing for baseball this year would be if the Chicago Cubs meet the New York Yankees in the World Series. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it might have been a better competitive finals if the Rockets and the Celtics faced off against each other. Right. But it's not it as would, in, but it's not as interesting. But wouldn't it have been interesting to see a team like Houston knock off everybody's favorite? Uh, isn't it no, interesting because I want to see? Because the reason we love rivalries is because they're that's why they're rivalries. The reason that they're rivalries is because they play against each other so much. And the only time you get a rivalry between the Warriors and the Cavs is in the finals. Well, you can't get the yeah. You'll have a couple games during the regular season or whatever. Yeah. But it's not a ri- the, the real games that matter are when they face off in the finals. And you've got LeBron, and the storylines between. Durant and the Warriors and LeBron and, and where he's going to go and basically being able to pinpoint the exact moment he decides that he's going to leave. Like you mm-hmm. can see it when he found out that they had a timeout left. That's the moment he decided he's going to leave. Fred, like, it could be both. The Rockets upsetting the Warriors could be interesting as well as the Warriors continuing on right. can also be interesting. I don't think because one didn't happen, it's just completely uninteresting. No, I'm, I'm saying, you know, the Warriors show their domination and they're the best team in basketball without a doubt. But if, in fact, Houston would have beat them in a seven-game series, that makes for interesting basketball. That makes for interesting viewing. Now, the ratings for the finals might have been down a little bit if it was Houston and the Cavs. But then again, the Cavaliers might have put up a better fight against Houston, and there may have been a longer series. So I'm just saying that when the season started, we sat here. I might have been over there. I don't know where I was sitting. But, and we said it'll be the Cavs and the Warriors in the finals. And at the end of the year, it is. And there's no other sport where you can predict that. And we've been able to predict it for a while now. But I could tell you that the that the Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl almost every year. It's the Almost, same thing. true. But, yeah, but that's basically, but it's but the same thing. But you wouldn't be right every time. No, the Warriors, but, you've been right, how, what, four years in a row, right? Yeah, but the, I could tell you LeBron's going to be in the finals. Is that Does it matter where he is? LeBron's going to be in the finals next year. Yeah, and I was going to say the good thing for you, Fred, is now you don't have to worry about the Cavs getting back to the finals. Yeah. No. It'll be LeBron against the Warriors again, but he'll have a different cast of Avengers. Well, that's what I was going to say, because you look right now, and you can't predict who's going to be in the finals next year. You probably can say the Warriors will be there, but you have no idea what's going to well, happen. Well, as soon East. as LeBron decides where he's going to sign, that team will be in the finals. Uh, then you can predict. If they're, if they're cerebral enough. Because you can you can predict that whether he goes to Philly or Houston. Well, I guess it can't be Houston and the Warriors. But if he goes somewhere in the East, you can say that that team will be in the finals against the Warriors. So, Fred, let, Because let, the rest of the East is so bad? No, because LeBron took a team of, of, of us, basically, to the finals. If he has the slightest of better talent, 
he's going to go to the finals again. Like if he has the talent of the 76ers or somehow they, they manage that he meets with Boston and somehow he ends up in Boston or right. even if he stays in Cleveland and they find a way to trade Kevin Love and bring in new players, he's going to take whatever guys he's got with him to the finals. He can carry anybody to the finals. Like he could, he could literally take us to the finals. So let me ask you this question, Fred. Um, because I, I always watch the NBA with the thought of, like, how could my team get to that point? Right. How can the Bulls get back to this point? We watch the Bulls and we root for the Bulls. And we, I think, you know, at the end of um, NBA TV, when uh, all the players are coming out for the press conferences after the championship, they put on the screen most championships for franchises, right? And you right. have the Celtics, you have the Lakers, and now you have the Warriors and the Bulls sitting there kind of together on the same platform Mm -hmm. six championships and the one thing that uh you have with the bulls there is how can they get back to the level where they're in the conversation every single year right how can we get you interested in basketball again so i asked the question earlier constantly but yeah yeah. so i asked the question earlier who prohibits the bulls from contending for a championship the most the players the front office or ownership. And it's something we can take calls on at three one two three three two three seven seven six. I want to hear your thoughts because to me, the Warriors were bad for a long time. A long time. Yeah. Since Rick Barry. They were bad. Never good enough. And then new ownership came in and everything changed. If you want an example locally, we have two, right? The Chicago Cubs, bad for a long time. Ownership changed. Things changed, mm-hmm. right? You look at the the Blackhawks. Ownership stayed in the family, but who's running the ship changed. Things started to change for them. They win championships, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at the Chicago Bulls, and I'm not saying that ownership needs to change, but I just want to hear the opinion uh, of who's listening and what you think, Fred. What matters most? What prohibits this team from being a contending championship-level team year in and year out? Is it the players? Is it the front office? Or is it ownership? Well, see, but it's the front office that selects the players, and it's the ownership who keeps the front office. So it all kind of ties ties in because you know if you don't have the players, whose fault is that? It's not it's not the coach's fault. It's not the players' fault. It's the general manager's fault and the team president for not getting the right players. Well, I would say that, and this is specific just for the Bulls because the ownership didn't change and the front office didn't change, but. The White Sox have made a concerted effort to change the way that they are going about baseball. Right. So what did it take? Did it, it finally took the front, the front office going to the owner and saying, we can't sustain a competitive team like this anymore. We need to do what everybody else does in baseball and we need to bottom out. We need to tank for a little bit. We need to get better draft picks. We need to rebuild our farm system. Yada, yada, yada. Everybody knows all that stuff, right? So. Now, the Bulls front office needs to do the same thing, and go, and supposedly they did, and they had the, the quick tank, and so is it changing? Like, is the approach to basketball changing? You know, they like Woj well, said they're going to be sneaky in the uh, in, free, in, agency. In free agency this offseason, so did Pax and Gar, the Bulls front office, go to Reinsdorf and say, hey, this is what we're doing, I know you want butts and seats, but... 
we need to bottom out. We need to tank for a little bit. We need to get better draft picks. We need to develop young, younger players, and we need to be able to to have cap space for the next couple for 2018 and 2019, so we can add high profile free agents. Now it's going to be up to the ownership in the front office as to which players they bring in. So I think it's yeah, you're right. It's it's all kind of circular and it's all kind of everything. And I think Chris is right where you can kind of pinpoint it onto one thing. I don't think it's the players because they just bring in whatever player they bring in who they can. You know, right. it's not like the players aren't trying to win or something like that. Like like it's like it's it's the players that the front front office provides. Right. So even, I think it's mostly the Bulls, on the front office. Yeah, even the Bulls players on the court this year were trying to win. Exactly. Like they I think it's mostly on the front office too because it's also in the front office to this summer. Get in a room with LeBron because you should if he's taking meetings. Like you have to get in a room with LeBron, and then you also have been preaching this uh, big short mentality to free agency where we ha- we're going to have money when no one else has money, and this is the year and next year where we're going to have money and no one else is going to have money. So, all right, you did it. Now you need to come to now it needs to come to fruition, and you need to provide with a high profile free agent and not just. Demarcus Cousins. Well, right, and in the thing that's fascinating is right. We could all kind of say front office ownership, probably not the players, but people who watch the NBA, like people who are just casual fans, say, "Well, if you don't have the best player, you can't win a championship." Right? right. So, so there is some element of it's on the players who are on your team because if you don't have one of the top five players in the league, chances are you're not even getting to that spot to compete for championships. Um, and I think what's interesting is if we point to ownership front office more so, then why do you get stories like we got during the week from Jonathan Gaboni saying that the Bulls are the only team not spending $10,000 to go to a Euro camp when everyone else in the league is? Now, right. even if you can give the angle that we don't need that information, we've got the scouting covered, they are taking us for a ride, it's not for us, I'm just concerned that less information when is that ever a better thing in this this field of of work right like like we look at all the great teams the cubs in baseball theo jed they want all the information they want everything they can get their hands on look at teams all over them look at the golden state warriors quote light years ahead of everyone else all they do is spend in their front office and trying to make everything the best possible silicon valley style operation they've got going mm-hmm. but yet the bulls are the only team that doesn't yeah. want to do this like that like if there were three or five teams that didn't do it as well i'd be like all right you know okay they've got a fair point but like how are you the only ones in the league that thinks that this is a shakedown well there was a there was a long time in baseball where the white Sox and jerry reinsdorf were basically saying listen we're never giving a pitcher a four-year contract, yeah. a four- or five-year contract, because pitchers break down. And the odds actually showed that he was right. Pitchers break down over four and five years, and a lot of times that's bad money spent. Okay, Then he took a chance and he signed Jamie Navarro to a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. And then he realized, I should have stuck to my guns. But he was one of those guys. So it, it, it does not surprise me that the Bulls have decided that they, they're not going there. It is an awful PR move. Sure. It's $10,000. It's petty. Reach it's in not, your pocket. It's not it even right. the money. It like, it's not even the money. Like, I can't, you can't call them cheap because no. look at what they gave Cristiano Feliz. Oh, yeah, Feliz. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not a conversation cheap. about being like, cheap. It's no. not it's just, cheap. It's, dude, you are so petty that you can't, 
Yeah, okay, so I but, get but it. If you're running the operation, why would you want less information? Like, like here's what I don't get, is you're so confident that none of these players who are there could ever be anything in the league? You I don't think I like it's that. that. I think it's, are you sure? I think it's that the NBA started running this, and they they thought that they we've got the best uh, European scouts, so we don't want to be a part of this NBA. It's it just it's it's a bad look, and I think it goes back to the the same old story. And this is why uh, this is an interesting conversation with the three of us, right? Because Fred, you've been in the city for a long time covering mm-hmm. sports, longer than Adam and I have, and that's why we have the two different perspectives, right? Uh, we grew up with the Bulls being a great franchise in this city and in the NBA, right? And we have since seen it go back down to the middle level of the league mm-hmm. yet we are under the impression that this is a championship level franchise you saw the franchise before the jordan era thus seeing them at the bottom of the league yeah when no they one were, was were, going to bulls games they were good they were bad uh, they were good not great then they were bad and then they got great so i i think the the end result of all of this dialogue and and i wonder uh what other people think and you can call us at 312-332-3776 but are the business Business tactics of ownership prohibiting both the Bulls and the White Sox from ever excelling in the two sports that they're actually in, in the current current model of today's sports culture. You know what I mean? Like, I get that Jerry Reinsdorf has been super successful in business, very successful as an owner, but has time kind of caught up to what they are doing and have their business practices of yesteryear. Do they work in today's current model of throwing money at everything, having more resources than everyone else, and trying to outcompete in every margin that there is because you can't just assume that the players on the court are going to get it done. You need to find every little nook and cranny and try and get everything out of all avenues. Right. And, and it, as a fan of these teams, I just don't see them competing like other teams in pro sports do. You guys might see it differently, but like when you watch the Bulls and the White Sox, it seems like the values that these two teams have been uh, placed with going forward are not at the same caliber as other teams in their sports. They they sold a draft pick during a rebuilding year. Yeah, that well, right, that right. And like, and like, the, the, like, the thing like, about that, he, and, and everyone's going to attack you. Oh, Jordan Bell's not good. Oh, he's not Hall of Famer. Oh, he's not All Star. The whole point is he's a control. Else. He's a controllable asset that you don't it's have not to even, pay a lot of money. It's, it's not, not even about Jordan Bell. Bell right. Someone else then. It's, they weren't scouts. Yes. They, they were right. He wasn't even on their board, and that's right. not the point. That's a problem in itself. That Jordan Bell, a contributing member to a Finals team, and I don't care if he's a Hall of Famer or not. That's not the point. He was he played good minutes. For a championship team. That's not the point. The point is that you had a draft pick during a rebuilding year and you just sold you it. You sold it. That made That's no it. sense at all. That There's no explanations for that. Absolutely none. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, 312-332-3776. We've thrown a lot out there. Also, I've got the Cubs lineup for today. And I just wanted to try to um, stop or, you know, the whole uh, narrative of, well, their only way to win in baseball or in all sports is to tank and get through the draft. I'm going to read the lineup to you and hit some things with you. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. Jump on in. We're here till noon on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I've been rolling on. 
Welcome back in. If you're heading outside, bring some rain gear. It's um, it's not nice out. It's wet. Unless you're a duck. If you're a duck, they say ducks love this weather. It's moist. I guess ducks and ducks and plumbers and uh, plumbers. plumbers. Well, got, yeah, because when someone's sump pump goes out, the plumbers oh, yeah. all of a sudden get a lot of work. Business is a booming. Yeah, it's one of the worst things you can have happen is your sump pump go out or something like that. So. Hope it doesn't happen to anybody out there. Uh, Cubs are supposed to play today at 120. We get the lineup in a second. I want to get to that. We can continue our NBA talk. One thing I wanted to mention before, because we were talking about it in the uh, first half hour uh, about the NBA. We'll talk more NBA at the top of the hour um, as the uh, NBA writer for Yahoo, uh, Michael Lee, will join us at 10 o'clock. Uh, Nick Friedel at 11 o'clock. I think that the one thing, like I said, I've always been a Bulls fan. I watched all the Bulls games. It was tough to watch this year quite a bit. There were times where I could actually just have them on another TV and not really pay attention because they weren't looking to win. You'd see what, and especially when Markinen wasn't playing and things like that. I think what um, disenchanted me or with with the NBA was the whole super teams thing, and it, and it probably it started before Miami probably, but I, I don't think Boston was nearly as you know winning with Garnett and Allen and those. I don't and Pierce. I don't think that was I don't know nearly as much as you know. Uh, LeBron and Bosch and and Wade, but I think that whole thing. Uh, and again, it, it, it's an old story, but and I'm an old guy, so you're not going to get me to change in this. <laughs> but <laughs> you're not going to get me to change in this. But it was always, you know, we don't want to play with the guys that are good. We want to beat the guys that are good. Mm-hmm. And when, when all the good guys get on one team, that's why a lot of times, you know, I've always been a fan of salary caps because if there's no salary caps, kind of like in soccer, okay. We know at the beginning of the season, the top four teams pretty much in the Premier League. Four, yeah. five, six. They're, they're yeah. not going to change much. And they're the teams that spend the most. Right. So, and, and, and that's why I've always enjoyed salary caps. I always thought caps were important because otherwise the Yankees, if there was no penalty for spending a lot of money, the Yankees would spend all the money and the Dodgers would spend all the money and they would have the best teams in baseball. They would just sign everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's how it would happen. And I don't think that's good for the sport. And, you know, it's nice to see teams like the New Orleans Pelicans uh, put on a nice performance and try and build some stuff. It's nice to see that Boston next year with Kyrie after the trade and uh, Gordon Hayward that they got in the signing will, will you know, and the guys they've gotten through the draft and Brad Stevens, you know, that they'll be a team that'll be great to watch and Philadelphia through draft picks and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't want to see LeBron go to Boston. I don't want to see LeBron go to Philadelphia. I want to see those teams build, continue to build on their own and become good. Uh, if you understand what I'm saying, I mean, yeah. I, do you I don't, prefer so you prefer LeBron to stay in Cleveland? Well, I don't. I don't care where he goes. Um, I just don't think. I don't think Philadelphia's a fit because Simmons needs his hand in the ball, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. And and he's not. Gonna, I mean, with LeBron there, what are you going to tell LeBron? Just go in the corner. I'll pass it to you. And. Um, I don't think I also don't think that they're at the point to win like LeBron wants to win. Right. Like they may at some point get to that that level, but next year they're not going to be the best team in the league and if he wants guys that are are ready to win championships, 76ers are not there yet. Right. Mm-hmm. They could get there, but is he patient enough to go be a part of something that still has to grow? We talk about the regular season and you know, over the time, we talk about the regular season um not meaning enough. And do you think that because there are 16 teams that go to the playoffs in both hockey and in in basketball that they maybe should think about re- they never will. I don't know why I've been bringing it up, but they should maybe reduce it to 6 or something like that, 6 in each because in baseball 
they don't have that many in in football. They have what twelve, right? Six and six there. So, but that's still only you know they have the thirty two football teams, and only twelve make the playoffs. So twenty of them don't. Well, I, I like the four rounds of the NBA playoffs, and I think the four rounds of the NHL playoffs work. So to have that, you need to have at least eight teams, right? You yeah, could, you I couldn't think... have that many rounds no. if, if that were the case. No, and I don't think you're ever going to get teams to agree to take away. Like you're not going to get teams to agree to, to that. I know, but I would like to. I just like to say, and you guys don't remember, but there were there was a time in the NHL, and I bring this up probably once or twice a year. There was a time in the NHL where they had 21 teams and 16 made the playoffs. So they played all year long to eliminate five teams. Yeah. I mean, you know, people wonder sometimes about the NHL. Well, you know, they, what they did then was expand. All of a sudden, Carolina, Florida, and, you know, you have all these teams in not hockey towns. Now, Nashville has shown that, you know, any place can be a hockey town. Las Vegas, too. You put a team in there and everybody comes to the games. But, uh, yeah, that was just weird. Well, for, I think what you originally were talking about is kind of interesting because I kind of disagree with you that the salary salary cap is is needed. At, like I, I understand why it exists, but I also don't understand telling someone why they can't spend. You know I mean, like if you want to be Man U and spend more than everyone else in the Premier League, you you can because you make more money than everyone else. Mm-hmm. If you want to be the Dallas Cowboys and spend more than everyone else in football because you're the Dallas Cowboys. You should be able to do so. Like, I get that the salary cap creates see, competitive balance yeah, in some fashion because everyone has to play by the same rules. Right. But life's not fair. You know what I mean? Like, like no, it, but it's, if, well, we all, if we, we say all own our own restaurants, com- no one's going to tell me, Adam, and you that we all have to spend the exact same amount of money to put into remodeling a restaurant. Yeah. Well, it's it, you say it creates competitive balance, but we started the show by talking about how we know who's going to win, go to the NBA Finals every year. So does it create competitive balance? Well, I mean, you get it, like it, it, it gives the impression as if like here's yeah. the one thing. Here's the one thing I would say, and and not to go full circle to what we were talking about here locally, but the salary cap allows owners who don't really want to go for it to kind of skirt by because they're doing all they can in right. air quotes, right? right? Because they're spending their limit in the salary cap, and just they're because everyone, the floor. right, yeah. and and everyone else is just beating the the pants off of them, but they're doing what they can. But look at the salary cap; we can't do any more. Mm-hmm. But if they were exposed to a free market where you could spend whatever you wanted, then next thing you know, you're West Brom, right? Like like you're going up against Arsenal, and they're yeah. spending the money, and you're deciding not to. That looks worse for See, your fan base, right? They actually have something in that, in soccer that can protect you a little bit because you don't want to fall into the lower divisions. They don't have that here. Oh, right. So that's why they couldn't do that. That's well, don't, why well, don't you think... Cap, uh, that's why I think the caps work here and they don't. They wouldn't work over there. Like, like, and here's the, the uh, full circle question. If it was a free market, would the Bulls spend like Golden State and other teams at the top of the heap? I think you know they what I'm saying? would, like, yeah, would, would the White Sox spend if there's no salary cap like teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox? No, not well. They don't have the money that those guys have. They don't have the money right. that the Yankees have. They don't have the money that the you think Dodgers the bull, have. the brand of the Bulls would be able to like the Bulls with the with the brand that because of Jordan, the Bulls are a world wide brand basically sell out every game they, they, they led the stadium league. than most teams yeah, they led the league in attendance like great last apparel. year yeah, yeah. apparel would, sales still work you would think that they would be able to the question spend. is would they exactly yeah like they they would be 
And that also doesn't mean that you win. I mean, you mentioned Man U. Like, sure. when was the last time they won the league, the Premier League? Six years ago. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, they're one of the top four or five teams every year, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're winning every year. No, no, it doesn't. But, you know, if, if we're talking it gives about you a better chance. Yeah, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Certainly. Of course it does. I would hope that if it was a free market like that, that the Bulls would just because of how much money they make. But, right. You know, but we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 312-332-3776. We'll continue our discussion. We are going to give away a pair of tickets to see Steve Miller and Peter Frampton All June right. 14th. Yes. Uh, teaming up once more to play what this summer at Huntington Bank Pavilion at Northerly Island. And you can get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. Now, we're not giving them away now. We will give them away the next time you hear this clip. Some people call me Maurice. <laughs> I was just going to ask, is Steve Miller the Joker, Toker, Midnight Smoker, whatever it is? Yes. Guy? Yes. Okay, yes. Cool. What, what are All you right. doing? Cool. Yes. What does is. Peter Frampton do? We're Alive? Right. Yeah. Basically. That's his album, right? Alive? Yeah, so that was his huge album, yeah, in the What's, 70s. What, is, what song is that? Do You uh, Feel Like I Do? Oh, that guy? Yeah, That's yeah. Peter. He's, he's featured in the uh, Simpsons episode where Homer takes a bowling ball to the gut. Yes. Yeah. He was also. There you go. That's Peter Frampton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know Peter Frampton so now. He was also, or, in the, or as the read says, Peter Frampton. Yeah, he was also, <laughs> he was also in the movie. Um, he was also in the movie Almost Famous, where I think he won the, uh, I think he won the groupie for a case of beer. Do you want? Do you want to know? You want to know what, what grinds my gears, Fred? That movie. I hate that. movie. I love that movie. Oh, that movie is. It's so yeah. stupid. I love that movie because it came movie. up when when I. Uh, it was a year after. It's a year behind me, because uh, Cameron Crowe was basically about him. It was all about what he did and his, him on the road and stuff like that. And that was if you go if you get the which you'll never get, but if you get like the nope. advanced copy, not advanced copy, whatever it is, the bonus copy of the of the movie, oh. they have all of they have, <laughs> frisbee. They have all of Cameron Crowe's <laughs> articles that he wrote when he was a kid. Covering bands on the road like the Allman Brothers and Zeppelin and all this kind of stuff. Do you not have any journalistic soul, no. Bella? Come oh, on, it's so it's a great stupid. movie. It's so stupid. I, we're not. I get, hate that movie I, so much. Home. I'm not getting into movies because I almost kind of agree with Chris Black. Ugh. You guys are of an age where if you didn't see a movie, we'll tell you it's good. If you want to see it, you don't. You see it if you don't want to see it. I'm not going to tell you to watch any movie, but I, I want to cast the movie, the almost famous about Fred at Sports Phone. <laughs> okay, we can do that. We can do that. Who's your Penny Lane? <laughs> we had none there. Right? There were there were no there were no there were no Penny Lanes. I would just take Penny Lane. Period. Um, the um, um, oh, I was just gonna say, you're just gonna mention something. To you. Well, we've got a break kind of coming up. Anyway. Cubs lineup. Cubs lineup. We tease the Cubs lineup. Yeah, we'll we'll actually give it to you. Friend. We're Come gonna on. get to the Cubs lineup because I. I'm tired of people saying that the only way to win is by tanking and getting draft picks. And the Cubs lineup today is going to explain that for me when we come back right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Welcome on in. Fred Huebner along with Chris Black. Adam Abdallah, now quickly to the uh, to the lineup and what's uh, I was trying to say. You don't just have to tank and get high draft picks to win. Today's lineup for the Cubs: Javi Baez. Swag. Now they got him before 
the not before the, the tank necessarily, or well, maybe they weren't taking you know, that purpose. He's a Hendry guy. The whole Jim Hendry era. What yeah. I'm saying is he wasn't he wasn't there when they were losing on purpose. They were yes. just losing because they were bad. So <laughs> Baez, they got Baez through the draft. Hayward is a free agent signing. Brian, obviously the draft. Rizzo, a trade. Half the draft. Schwarber draft. Russell trade. Jimenez trade. Hendricks trade. So the guys they got from being bad were Hap, Almora, Hendricks. Schwarber. Yeah. Those were the four guys. There's 25 guys on the team, okay? They they did what they said. We're going to draft um, hitters, and we're going to sign pitchers. They did that. You saw John Lester. You saw what, when they made the trade for Jake Arrieta. They signed John Lackey this year. They signed you Darvish. They signed... So you. it's not... Tanking is not necessarily the key to winning. Losing and getting a couple of nice draft picks is great. But in baseball, when you get a draft pick, like the White Sox get this kid Madrigal, who got another hit and they advanced the College World Series yesterday. Um, he won't, The earliest they'll be here is a year and a half, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. So it takes you a long time to do those things. You can't just wait for guys. Now, the Cubs had the uh, uh, They were able to wait because they knew they were still getting people coming to the stands. And they said, we're going to give us five years. Rick Hahn said that rebuilds, most rebuilds take five years, but I think by them going and making trades with Sale and Eaton and Quintana, they hurried up the pace. And at least as a Sox fan, that's what I'm hoping for. Now, you have Chris Bryan in that group, right? Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, that, that's the major piece. Yeah, well, sure. No, I, of and, course And is. you acquired Chris Bryan based on the fact that your team was so bad that you got that draft pick. Well, and because Houston was stupid. That too, right. but but if you so it, it's if, all if you were a better yeah. team, you and would listen, not have been two. If Houston took Chris Bryant and the Cubs were stuck with Mark Appel or, or Jonathan Gray, yeah, you know mm-hmm. that would have been. So it's a, a lot of it's luck, but you can't just tank and think. Listen, we're going to tank and lose, and then our draft picks. You've got to do everything, and the Cubs. Did. Oh yeah, the Cubs did. The Cubs did trades, international signings. You know that those all work quickly. Dan's been hanging on. Dan, what's going on? Hey, what's happening, gentlemen? You are. What's up? Hey, I just wanted to say well, two things now. Abdallah, first of all, you know who Steve Miller Band is, you midnight toker, you. And, uh, I don't know what that secondly, means. I don't smoke marijuana. <laughs> and uh, secondly there, but, so, you know, to Black's point earlier with competitive balance, I mean, we have to go back and just look at the Patriots year in and year out. I mean, they do it without, rate, you know, just raking in all the talent in the world by spending the money. I mean, it can be done without just loading teams. So, to that point, uh, does it help? Yeah, but at the same time, you could win other ways. So yeah, there's always that's it. Thank, thanks, Dan. Thanks, always, Dan. There always are low spending teams that get you know every once in a while, every couple of years, you'll see it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen a lot, but you'll see a team that doesn't spend a lot of money and they get to the postseason. It happens in baseball probably more than any. Well, it all comes down to motive, right? What is the motive of the organization? Are you just cool, just cashing a check, or do you want to compete for championships? You know, and that's where we all get to this conversation because if you look at Golden State, Joe Lacob, when he took over ownership rights for the Golden State Warriors, he wants to be the best team in basketball every single year. It's a different motive than some of the teams in the NBA. Some teams are just cool just being around. Making the playoffs, getting, getting, a, getting a couple of home games. You know what I mean? Like, some, yeah. teams, look, some teams are just cool. Yeah, They're just cool just being around. Teams well, are just cool. Talk more, about, <laughs> talk more about the NBA. Michael Lee from Yahoo will join us. We come back. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner here on ESPN 1000. Nice way of saying it. 
This is Chicago's Game Day. He's going to hold on to the ball, and for the first time in franchise history, the Warriors are back-to-back champions. Three titles in four years for Golden State against Cleveland. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. We're here till noon. Our baseball notebook coming up bottom of the hour. Nick Friedel at 11 o'clock. We're going to talk more basketball right now. The Golden State Warriors are your NBA champions. No, you're not listening to the radio from years below, years before. This is 2018. They are the champions as they f- wrapped up the sweep of Cleveland the other day. We bring in uh, Michael Lee from uh, Yahoo Sports. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing well. Doing wonderful. Um, I'm looking at some of your stuff and, uh, Kevin Durant with some interesting comments. He was the, the, uh, finals MVP. Uh, no surprise despite 37 for Curry in that last game. No, because of what happened in game three. I mean, that, that was the, that was the moment where the Warriors took, seized the control of the series. And, you know, everyone else on the squad was having a really bad game, uh, including Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. No one can get a shot to fall, and he basically just did everything possible to make sure that they would win that game, including uh, hitting one of the more, most ridiculous uh, back-breaking threes we've ever seen um, in, in, in from the exact same spot, or about five feet back from where he hit the go-ahead three last year in game three when they, they took control of the series last year. So uh, the fact that he was consistent you know, throughout the entire all four games, and I have he had a one off night but never a bad game, um, and well, off shooting night, I mean, but never a bad game. He just stayed on the level. I think if Steph had had a a marginally good game in Game Three, he probably would have won his uh, Finals MVP. But he had such a bad showing, and he, uh, you know, was zero for nine for most of the game. He had a huge three. Right. He probably had the five most important points points of that game, but they wouldn't have mattered if Kevin hadn't been there. You know, getting forty three. Now, Michael, covering this series, uh, you were in the arena, and the major news outside of the Warriors winning the championship was after the game we found out that LeBron has been dealing with a hand injury. Did you notice anything throughout the series or anything behind the scenes that LeBron was dealing with a hand injury? No, I was kind of thrown off when the news uh, leaked, finally leaked uh, Friday night, but I, I did notice the way he was dunking. Um, you know, LeBron has a way of just p- destroying the rim whenever he goes in strong. And uh, I noticed it, like, once it um, that got out, I was like, you know what? He did try to – he did a lot of two-hand dunks. And he did, a, uh, like, uh, the dunk he did in game four, he didn't even throw it down. He just kind of placed it into the rim, um, you know, with, like, which made it feel like there was some pain in his hand. So it sort of started to make sense because of the way he was finishing at the rim – the fact that he wasn't shooting three pointers or making them, um, he wasn't playing with that that sort of force that you're used to seeing from LeBron that you had, and it was rare to see it. And it was one of like, well, is he checked out? But the fact that he was hurting physically, um, I think that, that you know was, gives you a, um, a legitimate you know reason for explanation for what happened. I don't know if the result would have been much different whether he had a uh, you know whether he was healthy or not. But it does explain why he didn't play with as much force that we had grown accustomed to this postseason run. As far as Kevin Durant goes, he's already stated that he's going to be back with the Warriors. But we all know that Durant might be the best player on the team, but this is Steph Curry's team. Does 
Kevin Durant care that this is not his team and that Steph gets all of the attention, basically, even though he's the best player on the team? Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that when he first got there, he thought it would be a situation where it would be his team and everyone would say, oh, he's the best player, so, you know, give it up. But I think over time, he sort of come to accept that, you know, the responsibilities of being the face of a franchise and an organization, those aren't necessarily the, the duties that he wants all the time. He, he didn't really like the burden that he had sort of in Oklahoma City. Everyone looked at him as the best player to sort of be the ambassador and, and to be all of those things that Steph obviously is. He really just wants to go out there and hoop, and I think that Gold State has sort of given him the environment to, to just play his game, to uh, go home, and then come back and, and, and do it again and not have to worry about all the ancillary stuff that comes with being the face of a franchise. Um, and I think that the Warriors have kind of given us a new model. You know, we always talk about whether whose team it is, whether it's Shaq's team, is it Kobe's team, is it, you know, um, LeBron's team or Dwayne Wade's team. And, you know, we, we keep going this kind of alpha male sort of, uh, you know, tug of war. The Warriors don't really have that, you know. They just kind of want to go out there and play. And I think it's kind of refreshing that, that we can have guys to show us a new way to play where you really do put your ego aside. You really are concerned about just winning. The fact that Steph Curry coming off a unanimous MVP said he was going to fly to the Hamptons to recruit Kevin Durant to come play with him, I think that now we should look at that um, in a much different manner than maybe some people do. I think some people uh, have a negative opinion of the Warriors going after Kevin Durant. I think we should look at it in a different manner where a guy who was already established, who already was a champion, had no problem going to the outside and saying, you know what, I could be great you know, by myself. But we can be great together. And I think maybe we should look at the Warriors a little differently than just always throwing darts at them as if they're some sort of evil, uh, you know, villainous uh, organization. I think they should be a model for how we treat each other with respect and how we can go about doing our job without making it some sort of competitive ego conflict. Michael Lee from Yahoo Sports joining us here on ESPN 1000. Michael, your article from yesterday on Durant, um, were you the one that asked him if uh, you know he's ruined the NBA or was it someone else that asked him? No, that was me. That was an uh, interview we had together. We talked after the game. I kind of waited him out after he had gone through the whole press junket and, you know, flicked on some beer and did his interviews <laughs> and was doused in uh, um, Moet and all of that stuff. So he, he, he may have been a little... Uh, a little tipsy, but who knows? <laughs> but uh, we we had, we had a fun conversation. So uh, yeah, he he basically just said that everyone that thinks he's ruined the league that he he should be paid a lot more money if he's gonna have to take all that. <laughs> um, and when you think about it, and I mentioned it in the article, you know, everyone talks about how this Warriors team is so unfair. They have four All Stars in their prime. This isn't this isn't you know fair. How how can they do this? But in Durant's mind, it probably doesn't feel any different than what he thought they were supposed to be in Oklahoma City you got to realize Oklahoma City drafted three guys in a row who might wind up winning MVP. They had the, they had, they would have had three future MVPs in their system together at the same time, and they, they gave up on them after one finals run together. They traded James Harden right after that. I mean, right now, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, those three with the Serge Ibaka and maybe even a Jeff Green, if you wait that out and watch that grow into what it could become, what you have is what the Warriors are now. You have this dynamic force that's unfair, but it's done organically. 
um, what the Warriors built was organic. Durant went there and joined them, but I think he joined what he thought he already had in Oklahoma City before they got a little cheap and didn't want to uh, pay the luxury tax. So it it may not feel normal. Uh, it may feel unnormal, abnormal for us to see this organ. That's a sort of um, you know collection of talent, but that's what Durant entered the league with. He had the future in front of him, and then all of a sudden it wasn't there anymore. Yeah, and then he he jumped to Golden State, and they they take advantage of it. And I think over the last four years, this team has been the best team in basketball. Even even the year they lost to the Cavs in the finals, yeah. they were still they, they, they could be a four peat. This could be a yeah. four peat. I mean, we're, we're a bogut knee injury and a Draymond suspension from talking about this is four in a row. So so put that into historical perspective because we have the back to back and the championship from four years ago. But really, over the course of the last four years, this has been the best team in basketball. How is that? fit within the historical conversation compared to the greats in NBA history? <clears throat> well, I think when you add the 73 win element, you know, it's a shame they didn't win a championship that year because I think that people might look at, you know, this um, in a much different manner um, because that, that will add to the legacy. Now it's sort of a stain that they couldn't finish the job. But honestly, what happened after that really has set the stage for what what's going on next because they had clearly targeted Durant before – you know, during the 73 win season, they had, they wanted to become the model organization. They wanted to become the envy of the league, and they knew that if they added Durant and they felt like they could get him, that it could really change the trajectory of them because they could prepare the next um, adjustment for the league before the league adjusted what they already just did. You know, after winning 73 games, you could get comfortable. You could say, you know what, we're, we're pretty good. We can just stick with what we have and ride it out. And they were already thinking, what's next? How can we turn this nice, cute little run into a dynasty? And they've done it, you know, by adding Durant, you know. So, because LeBron James, after winning the 2016 title, if the Warriors come back with what they have, you know, with Harrison Barnes and most Bates and Leandro Robosa and a lot of guys they have from that team, you know, they probably beat the Warriors again in 17. But then when you add a Kevin Durant to the equation – all of a sudden, you've separated yourself from everybody. You make it hard for anybody to catch you. But what it also has done, I think, is going to force the rest of the league to get better. You saw Houston came pretty close to beating them this year. And um, and I, I just think that if teams start going for it, start taking more risks, start really trying to um, you know put together competitive teams, then it'll be it'll be better for the league. It'll be more fun, be more entertaining. Um, you know, I think a lot of people complain about this level of dominance and this kind of dynasty. But, you know, um, I wasn't necessarily one, but a lot of people love the Bulls in the, two, in the 90s. And, you know, we look back on that fondly. Um, that was a level of dominance that, you know, we look back on and say that's that's why Michael's the GOAT, you know. Um, and I think that the fact that the Warriors won three to last four and that Steph Curry was able to get three rings off of LeBron James – I think down the road, you know, many years from now, we won't just look at Steph as just the greatest shooter. We'll be looking at him as one of the all-time champions. So, you know, I think having that falling down all the way to 3-1 jokes all summer and, you know, blowing that lead and everything, I think it uh, it opened the door for them to get Durant, and now it's allowed them to sort of take on a, a brand-new path to where um, they could probably add one or two more championships and that could be five and six years. And, you know, that, that's when you're talking about Celtics-level uh, dynasty. 
So what's next for the Warriors as far as contracts go, free agency? There's even a, a, a I believe that LeBron is might even meet with them as well. So what yeah. is what's next for this team as far as uh, this summer goes? Well, I think the main priority is try to uh, get uh, Clay Thompson signed to an extension. It sounds like he's amenable to you know something less than the max. Um, he's willing to just do whatever he can to stay a part of this because winning is fun and. You know, you can go somewhere else and get paid more, but the pressure is greater and the the uh, margin for error is not, you know. Um, so you won't have the same kind of support, you know, if you have a bad game. You, you know, he could he had 11 points, I think, in game three. He would get destroyed if he didn't have Kevin Durant to get 43 for him to help him so no one would even care afterward. Um, so, honestly, so, so you signed uh, Clay Thompson. Uh, you already got Draymond Green for the next two years. You signed Kevin Durant, you know, make sure – he, he comes back and you and you have him locked up. You got your four main guys together. You still got Iguodala and John Livingston signed for the next two years. So that's your core, you know, uh, six guys essentially. And then you bring back some of the younger guys, Jordan Bell, um, Quinn Cook, and then you try to, you know, in, in, infuse your roster with some um, some youth, with some hungry veterans. And with guys who can sort of take away some of the malaise and, and boredom that really, you know, struck them this year. They were not as motivated as they had been in the past. So I think you find some hungry veterans, some guys who probably will be disappointed with the um, with the market this year because this will be a disappointing free agent market for players. There's not as much money out there. There won't be as many guys getting paid as we're used to. So somebody's going to have to settle for a contract that's well below its value. And the Warriors can sort of take advantage of that, where they might be able to get a really great player at a, at a discount bargain price, who could come in and, and make this to make you know add to the next phase of the run, because they got to got to sort of do this in two year stints now, and, um, and and really, really be a team that that we're talking about complaining about ruining the league, you know, for the for the long term. You mentioned Clay uh, at the beginning of of your answer. What is it about? Clay Thompson that just makes him Clay Thompson essentially like he just he just yeah. seems like he doesn't care about anything but that's endearing and everybody loves him because he just kind of doesn't really care about anything. Yeah, the thing I love about Clay is like you saw him after they won the championship and he I think he's doing this interview with Scott Van Pelt and he's just sitting there eating popcorn, you know, during the interview. You know, who <laughs> does that? You know, it sort of just tells you that Clay is not He's totally oblivious to everything that I think most people would sort of be concerned with, and um, and he also he's not somebody who he, he's a, he's a star. He's definitely an all star. You know, one of the best two way players in the game. But when he was drafted, and even when he was coming up, he didn't really have the mindset that's like I'm the son of a number one pick. He always felt like he wasn't good enough. You know, he always felt like you know he came up in an era with James Harden, where he was the guy in L.A. that everybody looked up to. So he sort of was seen as the, the Orange County kid that nobody really took seriously. And so he sort of had to earn his way. So everything that comes along with it now is sort of like, wow, I can't believe this is happening for me. I can't believe that all this stuff is, is, is coming. I can't ring championship rings off our appearances. This is not anything I ever saw for myself, and it's all happening. Um, so I think he's sort of realistic in all this and, and sort of has a perspective um, just where life has taken him. He's already won in more ways than he ever thought he would, and he's not even 30. So, um, you know, anything else that comes with it, it's all gravy at this point. 
and he just wants to live in it and enjoy it for as long as he possibly can. And he definitely doesn't want to disrupt it and walk away with regret knowing that he's a part of something that's truly unique in today's NBA and uh, something that he was responsible for building. Just another couple quick minutes with Michael Lee. Nice enough to join us from Yahoo Sports. Michael, if uh, you were, uh, what do you think is going to happen with LeBron in this offseason? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, most of the year I was assuming that he would stay in Cleveland, um, that, you know, his family would want to be there. Um, he'd want to raise his kids in the same, you know, uh, you know, region that, that he grew up in that sort of helped him, you know, develop his character and, and uh, his being and his wife as well. Uh, she's from the same area. I thought that that would just be what they would do. Um, you know, but obviously, if he goes back to the Cavaliers, they'd have to do something really dramatic in terms of roster construction. They'd have to basically blow up the entire roster and, um, you know, come back, trade Kevin Love, try to see what the number eight pick can yield any sort of value, um, you know, for maybe a potential star or uh, a borderline star. And then, try to just, you know, compete that way. Um, I don't know if that'll be enough, um, you know, because it's, it's just going to be a weird sort of decision that LeBron's going to have to make because let's say he does join a super team, you know, he won't have the same, you know, sympathies that he has right now, the Cavaliers. You know, if they come up short all the time, it's like, well, yeah, they, they, the Warriors are this all-time great team. But if he goes to, like, Houston and with Chris Paul and James Harden and they lose in like six or seven games in the conference finals again. Everyone's gonna be like, "Well, LeBron, you got your you got your help now. Now, now, what the problem? What's the problem?" So he could, in some ways, you know, hurt, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, his sort of unburdened uh, legacy right now uh, by going to form a super team with a lot of all stars and a lot of talent. Because if, if they do come up short, he didn't say his final streak comes to an end, and you know, a lot of things that we sort of. Uh, been spoiled to you know accept uh, how will we view him you know so he has it's not as easy as it seems and I think if he stays in Cleveland and they revamp the roster and build something new and he continues to dominate the East you know he'll continue to have people say he's the, the greatest of all time every time he wins a game so uh, that's I think that's tough to walk away too tough 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 to walk tough to walk away from too. You know, you mentioned the Rockets, and a lot of people have mentioned the Lakers and spending in free agency this summer. Are there any yeah. teams that you're keeping your eyes on that are not the two major teams that people are suggesting for free agency that could spend this summer that, that maybe you're looking at? Well, obviously Philadelphia's in that mix, too, and they're going to be a team that's going to try to make a pitch to LeBron. They've basically done it all season. Uh, you know, they've been very effusive with their praise of him. They've not held back and called him the best player they've ever seen. That's from players. Uh, Brett Brown gave this amazing, uh, not tampering yeah. <laughs> level of praise of him <laughs> at the last game of the regular season. An elite player. They need an elite player. Yeah, so they, they, they've they made it very clear that they would like to have him at least pay a visit to Philadelphia, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he will. Um, and that, that, that could be a potential. I mean, the, the Boston rumors are really kind of staggering to me. I'd be surprised if he went there. But if you want to, you know, dominate in the East and then have a chance to go beat the Warriors, I can't think of a better situation than what Boston's building, uh, other than the fact that Kyrie Irving's there and he'd be furious to have to play with him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I, I think that, you know, LeBron's always two or three steps ahead of us. You know, what we think he, he's going to do, 
he's probably already thought that, uh, outthought that. And um, so I know this time, four years ago, I didn't see him leaving Miami. And four years before that, I didn't see him leaving for Miami. So um, if whatever decision he makes, I will, I'm probably wrong today in whatever I think it is. Michael, we appreciate you jumping on for a few minutes this morning. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Michael Lee from Yahoo Sports. Uh, little things that uh, are going to be now the big things. Now that the Warriors have won, what's going to happen with teams? Where's LeBron going to go? I'm, I, I got it written down here. I got 11 days till the draft, uh, mm-hmm. 39 days till Bears report to camp, and four days till the World Cup. You forgot uh, 84 days till college, the first Saturday of college. College football, football Fred. Come on. Yeah, and well, and, and what's the, the start of the NFL? Is, and I think nine, only 89 what? now. I think for we're 20 days away from the start of NBA free agency, which is like the most fun part of the NBA season. Like, yeah, the the, the, the playing of the games is cool, but the... It's just, really America's second favorite sport. Yeah, just waiting for the July 4th Woj Bomb is is better than any fireworks show you're going to see. Is that when it, that's when free agency starts? Well, it starts yeah, on the first, but the last yeah. few July 4ths, we've gotten big NBA news of where stars are going to go. Like LeBron, I think, made his decision on the 4th. Uh, Durant made his decision on the 4th. Okay. And like I, that's usually when I don't know why they picked the Fourth of July, but I'm sure that NBA writers hate it because <laughs> sure. they have to sober up and Stop write it. a call. I mean a burger. Well, we'll have Nick Friedel on at eleven. Stop can, it. He can explain why they hate it on July first, uh, July Fourth. I'm sorry. When we come Stop back, it. MLB Notebook uh, Cubs are playing well. White Sox actually playing well of late. We'll talk about that much, much more. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, 312-332-3776. That's the number here on ESPN 1000. Stop it. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Ah, we do this each and every week. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. At 10.30, they sit and look at their phones and they talk for 15 minutes. How's that, how's that different than any other time, Fred? I don't Come have on. a computer in front of me. I, I have to be looking I'm, at my phone. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> You guys respond to everything I say, which is actually more than my wife does. What did you more. say? What? Yeah, Man. exactly. Um, the Cubs winners yesterday as they get a uh, nice 2 nothing win, and it was uh, it was even better when you realize that if their center fielder doesn't fall, who knows what happens. He just decides to fall down, slips and falls. Cubs get two in the first, and then what happens? John Lester does the rest. Lester going seven innings yesterday, allowing a hit. Two walks, five strikeouts. He now has the seventh lowest ERA at 222, the eighth lowest opponent's BABIP. Batting average balls in play, 238 among starters. Very, very good. Sometimes I think he's taken for granted because, uh, you know, Arietta was here. Everybody talked about Arietta. Well, Lester just goes on out there and, uh, you know, just pitches, does his job. He's now seven and a two. The Cubs remain a half game back of Milwaukee. After today, if they get this game in or not, they go to Milwaukee for three, then the day off, and then St. Louis. A big week coming up for the Cubs. By the end of the week, who knows where they can be. When you when you play baseball, you want to be ready to play. You want the game ready to start. You want everything to be locked up, buttoned up, and they didn't do that in New York yesterday. 
slashed into right center field. And a good start to this one for Aaron Hicks. That bounces through the door and is a double for Hicks to open the night. That is pretty rare. He's probably looking at that like, what? Wait a minute. What is that? <laughs> now they're trying to figure out whose individual fault it is down there. Who is supposed to close the door? Hicks is saying, I should have had a triple. Ball rolls right through the open bullpen door. The best part about that call is the play-by-play guy. Joe Davis. Joe Davis. Oh, God. The uh, the always entertaining no wonder. Joe I Davis. Thought, I thought you brought it up because of this. The no always entertaining Joe Davis. It wasn't planned. It's just that he made the call as if it was normal. And the ball rolls through the door. Right. He didn't make like, it. He sound. said it. Yeah. He said it as if this is a thing that just happens all the time. Well, and that was, it's baseball. That's the good thing so. about it. And that was the good thing about the call. You leave Joe Davis alone. Okay. Um, Friend of the show, Fred. Yeah. Come on. I've understood. I've heard, I've heard that. Um, let's see here. White Sox. White Sox were winners. Uh, not yesterday. Two days ago, as Dylan Covey knocked off uh, Chris Sale. And as a matter of fact, speaking of him, the Red Sox have been shut out twice this season. April 21st, when Sean Manaya threw a no-hitter against them. And June 8th, Dylan Covey, six scoreless innings. Uh, the White Sox, after taking two out of three from Milwaukee, split a four-game series in Minnesota, and now have split the first two with Boston. So that actually, if you were all watching White Sox baseball, you're getting to see better baseball. Unless you're watching Yohan Moncada. His last 101 plate appearances since he came off the DL, he's got a 565 OPS. He is minus 6.4 percent uh, walk rate, bringing his season total down 10 percent. Uh, only a 31 percent hard hit rate, 10 percent below last season. He's got 46 uh, percent ground ball rate. He is not. He looks bored at the plate when he swings and misses from the right side. I don't know what it is. But he's he's not fun to watch. And yesterday he had numerous opportunities to do things for the White Sox. Could not do them. They had runners on base. He, as a matter of fact, let's see how many he stranded. He stranded four. He struck out twice in four at-bats. And uh, the White Sox lost yesterday 4-2. to two. Good news is that Carlos Rodon came back to play yesterday. His first start, his debut of the season. Five innings, six hits, four runs. Two were earned because of errors by Moncada and Anderson. And seven strikeouts. Uh, Rodon gave up a couple of homers. J.D. Martinez was back. He hit a home run. I don't know if you guys know this now. J.D. Martinez, 21 home runs. He is, uh, I think he's number one in baseball right now. I learned something. 21 home runs. And by the way, Yeah, Jose he is Abreu. number one. Uh, two with 19. Trout and Harper. Yeah, those are pretty good players. Mm-hmm. Um, Jose Abreu, his, where he ranks as first baseman offensively in the American League. First in average. First in OPS. Fifth in homers, first in RBIs, first in hits, first in extra base hits. It's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I mean, he's doing the job, and that's why I think at the end of the year he will still be here, and they will actually sign him to keep him around for a few years. Would you say perhaps the best first baseman in the city of Chicago? I would I would say that uh, right now, statistically, he would have to be the guy. All right. Yeah. Just asking a question. Right now, he'd Whoa. have to be the guy. <laughs> I got a couple things we can. I got a couple things we can debate in a couple yeah, minutes. But yeah. let me get to some other stuff. He here. might be the guy. He could be. Huh. You remember this guy, Cub fans? You, you you moved him to get Justin Wilson. Swing and a drive. Yep, Jamer Candelario with a walk-off two-run homer, a 4-2 win as the Tigers knock off Cleveland yesterday. Michael Waka, he won his eighth consecutive decision. He is pitching very well for the Cardinals. Also, 
I don't know. Each and every year, it seems like something happens with that uh, Washington Nationals pitching staff. Steven Strasburg going on the DL again. His manager, Davey Martinez, talks. He's got a right shoulder inflammation, and uh, he's going to go on a DL, but we don't know what we're going to do yet. Honestly, I thought just the inflammation was it was a good thing, and nothing else was wrong, um, structural. So um, as soon as we could get that to calm down a little bit you know, and get him thrown again, we'll be, he'll be fine. Just let him rest until we get that inflammation out of there. Just we're going to let him rest. Well, he's been resting for a while. Sixth time in four years he's been on the disabled list, and that's that's not good for them at least. Jake Arrieta yesterday left for the bases loaded in a three-two lead. The next guy up, uh, G. Mon Choi, hit a grand slam from Milwaukee as uh, they knocked off Philadelphia yesterday. Diamondbacks a six-run eighth inning. They beat Colorado twelve to seven. Right now. They have a two-and-a-half game lead in the National League West. You look at the standings here on a Sunday morning, which I'm always wanting to do on a Sunday morning. Look at the standings. The Cubs have a half-game lead over uh, – half-game behind Milwaukee. I'm sorry. Washington and Atlanta share the lead four better than Philly. Arizona has a two-and-a-half game lead over three teams. Colorado, the Dodgers, and San Francisco. Now in the east of the American League, the Yankees up by a half a game on Boston. The Baltimore Orioles, it's June 10th. The Baltimore Orioles are 24 and a half games out of first place. That's, that's crazy. That's what you would call not good. <laughs> that's awful. Yeah, that's, that's, t- that's how you tank. Yeah, that's what you would call not good. Uh, Cleveland has a four-game lead over Detroit, a, a surprising Detroit team. Minnesota five and a half back. And Seattle and Houston share the lead in the West. Seattle is surprised. For years and years, they keep saying, Seattle's coming, Seattle's coming. Mm-hmm. And now, actually, right now, Seattle's actually playing well. The Angels are three and a half games back. Couple other stats, and I know I heard you guys talking earlier, Chris. You mentioned about home runs and the Cubs, and talking about how. Uh, and I'm one of the guys that say usually they win when they hit home runs. Yeah. I was trying to go back. I didn't have time to go back and every one of their losses this year. How many homers they hit in losses? So um, I couldn't. I couldn't track that down. But I did come up with they lead baseball with the worst. Um, um, Runners in scoring position per game, the most. Okay. Well, actually, it would be the most. So the they most lead runners. the most guys on base. Over seven yesterday. Yeah, and they also <laughs> have they have the most left on base. Yeah. So they have the most left in scoring position per game, and the most left on base. And those are the things that Joe gets upset about. Sure. They're hitting two thirty five with runners in scoring position. That's twenty second in baseball. Not good. And that's when Joe talks about move the baseball. And there's two guys, in my opinion, there's two guys in the team that do it. Schwarber's getting there. Rizzo does it sometimes, but right now it seems like he's trying to jack everything, my opinion. Um, but Zobrist always does it, and Chris Bryant, who hasn't homered since May 14th, yeah. is just, he puts his bat on the ball and hits the ball all over the field. I think One it's, of the best uh, players in the game. It's fascinating. Fifth in runs in all baseball, third in OPS, third in average, sixth in hits, and the Cubs are 20th in home runs. Yeah. So yep. it's just an interesting stat. It is. It, it was interesting to me when I heard it. So at least at least one person thought it was interesting. What What did you make of uh, Tanaka getting hurt going on the DL for the Yankees from running the bases? Did you see the articles yeah. that were posted saying that pitchers should not be running anymore? Did you see this? <laughs> I did not see the article. I saw there, there are run. a lot of people saying it like, was a hey, tough play. Pitchers are pitchers. They shouldn't be out on the base pads running. Maybe this is. We should just do away with them batting altogether. So what do you do? Yeah, well, they don't bat. You have a DH, and then you never... Because well, yeah. the situation is the no. Yankees are playing the Mets at City Field. So the, you, the pitchers yeah. are batting when they're not actually 
positional players. I think until then, you should have a guy that stands next to the pitcher that's batting, and as soon as the pitcher gets a hit, that guy has to start running. A, desig- well, a designated, yeah. designated runner. You did that when you were a kid growing yeah. up in a playground yeah. or something. Yeah, like designated runner. runner. I yeah. couldn't bat, so I was the runner. So there you go. I was the runner. <laughs> I was always the runner. <laughs> we come back. I got two questions for you. One of them is something that uh, was posed by Buster only the other day. And it was, well, I'll let you think about it. The other one is, Jeez. who should be the starting second baseman for the National League All-Star team? I know what everyone's going to say, but nice. I just want to throw some numbers out for you. It is uh, Abdallah Black Hubner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Okay, the studio smells so much nicer now than it did a little while ago. As Adam ran out and got some oatmeal. I do get some oatmeal. I soak up this alcohol with something. Yeah, it smells really good. (laughs) Um, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, uh, two questions for you. One of them, I know the answer. Everybody in Chicago is going to say that Javi Baez should be the starting second baseman uh, for the National League All-Star team. Mm. But I just got two sets of numbers. Um, Slash lines, 342, 378, 561. Compared to 254, 284, 531. Mm, guess the player. Yeah. The first player is Scooter Jeanette. So Scooter Jeanette. Reds. 342 he's hitting, 378 on base, 561 slugging. He has 12 homers and 45 RBIs. Javi Baez hitting 254, which is, boy, oh boy, if I can do my math, it would be 46, it would be 80, 88 points lower than him. Uh, 284 is his on base, and his uh, slugging is 531. He has 14 homers and one more RBI than Scooter Jeanette. So if it is just for the fans, you'd rather have Javi Baez because he's Mr. Flash and he is swag. It's he's, called swag. Well, Flash too. Swag. It was Flash before. Now it's swag. Uh, it should be Javi Baez. Because well, the numbers say Scooter Jeanette though. Yeah, no. who, is, who Which, is Scooter Jeanette? Is a, he's second what's, baseman. What's the, team, what's the team's record? And I'm pretty sure, but that's he, why he'll probably he, be the uh, only guy in that team that makes it. Yeah, good for him. So didn't he'll get last year, in. didn't they he, shouldn't uh, even ma- they shouldn't even have one. He hit a bunch of home runs in the game, right? Yeah, he had f- four, I think it was. Yeah, good for him. He made the news with that. Wait, yes. he uh, made the news. <laughs> Hold on, Abdallah. What, what's your deal? Uh, Javi Baez, the numbers don't match up. Why do you hate Javi Baez? Let's I'm get not. down to the root of this problem. I'm, I'm with no, Fred. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm with Fred. I would like the better ball player That's in how the I always. Javi I'm, Baez is the better ball player all around, I would say. So oh. why don't his numbers is he not? match? I don't think so. Who's a better defensive second baseman? Probably, probably Javi Baez. Okay, so he's we a better can, all-around player. But the offensive the numbers, he's a better all-around player. Are down. He's a better. He's a better all-around player. To Scooter, who's better defensively? What's his WAR? Yeah, I could look up the WAR for you. What's just he give me a second. What's he hitting? I told I'm you not, what he's hitting. He just gave you average. Yeah, three forty-two to two fifty-four. Well, nobody problem. cares about batting average. Well, I know that's what they say. It's Bam, funny. Nobody grass. cares about batting average until it sucks. Well, yeah. When it's okay. Yeah. When, when you have it, a good batting average, it doesn't uh, give me war. Give me no, war. Hold on. I'm getting the war. Would you talk about your oatmeal or something? Jeez. Yeah. This is, it's got peanut butter. It's got blueberries. It's got some strawberries. It's got some bananas. It's got, oh, it has oatmeal in it, actually, too. Um, There's actually is, oatmeal in your Javi Baez is actually 16th in the National League. Th- 16th in all of baseball with six errors. I don't see Scooter Jeanette's name on here anyway. Okay, Abdallah, Abdallah wants the war. Give me so, the war. Uh, for second oh, baseman, also has six, by the way. For second baseman in all of baseball, Javi Baez is ninth in war. Okay. At a 1.3. Okay. Scooter Jeanette, 
second in baseball for second baseman at 2.4. There only, you go. Only behind Altuve. Jose Altuve. So you have Altuve, mm-hmm. Scourge Jeanette. Mm-hmm. Those are your starting second baseman. Ninth, American League National you find League. Javi Baez right above 10th, Yohan Makata. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. That he's uh, ninth? Nobody cares about Scooter Jeanette. <laughs> you just asked me about war, and yeah. I gave you the war and stat, nobody, and nobody wrong. cares about Scooter Jeanette, and no one even knows who he is. I'll People ask, know. I'll ask anybody walking by the street. That excuse lady, me. No, she can't excuse hear you. Me. No, she can't hear you. Excuse me. Nope. Do you know who Scooter no. Jeanette is? Just keep moving, lady. Do you know just who keep, Scooter Jeanette is? Just keep... No, that guy. Do you know who Scooter Jeanette is? No, nobody... Nobody knows who Scooter Jeanette is. No. They're, oh, Nobody. They're, they're scurrying about. They're now hearing they're, a, they're hearing yeah. a tour. Yeah, yeah, is Scooter <laughs> Jeanette's nickname El Mago? I didn't think so. I almost went to Mago, the restaurant out in uh, in uh, Bowling. I bet you it would have been magical. It, it, it really is. I've had the guacamole there. They give you uh, four, three different salsas. Ooh. They say this one's mild, this one's hot, and this one you should not eat. So why do they give you the one that you shouldn't eat? Because it's really hot and people. Some people like it. Okay. So what's the first thing I tried? The hot, the really well, hot. Well, no, can't eat. Then you yeah. ruin the rest. Was it really meal. spicy? It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was one of the hottest things I've ever had. I got another question for you, but we're going to wait till eleven thirty. Okay. We may even ask Nick because it's a baseball thing, and Nick likes baseball. Eh. <laughs> Nick's got, Nick's coming out next. That's Nick Friedella. He only goes by one name. It's Cher. It's Elton, it's it's Nick, and he'll come up next uh, with Black Abdallah Hubner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cuts win. Cuts win. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. It's Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner here till noon. It's been a weird morning. It's been pouring rain, then it stopped. Then the sun came out a little bit. Then it's now, right now, it looks very dark out. And somewhere. He's just wondering what his attire will be as he walks around the city. Well, and he's probably wondering if... I know we don't normally talk about the bumper music, but he probably wants to know if this song is on iTunes. Is it on iTunes? Come on, let's not let's not make him hang up. Nick Friedel joining us. Nice enough to join us. He didn't have to join us. Hi, Nick. Hey, Nick. <laughs> it was only for you, Freddie. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what we should do. Two jokers. Maybe that no, should be the game. I got to figure out which, uh, which festival I'm going to today. Yeah. I've made it a point to go try and see all the festivals that I've been missing in Chicago for, for all They're these all years. They're all the same. I, yeah, but he always he never stays in town. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, the, hey, Mr. Dahl, you are right. I mean, the one thing I have noticed about <laughs> going to all these different places. Come on now. I want to know from anybody out there listening to us, what is the, the go-to festival that is unique? Because I keep going to them, and it's like, uh, Eric and I were just saying, it's the same food, sometimes it's the same bands, it's the same people that are selling their stuff. I mean, which one of these is is a must out there in the city? Sounds like you don't like uh, summer in Chicago. <laughs> I, I love, You're the one who told me to stay for show, summer in Chicago. I love it. I went to a Cubs game. Uh, yesterday, I walked over to the, the Andersonville Fest. Uh, that was interesting. You know, there's always something going on. I think I may go hit the Old yeah. Town. Is it the, the Art, Art Fest? Fair or yeah. Street Fair? Yeah. 
today. There's, there's, there's got to be something going on every day. There is. I just wish the weather was a little better. You could have went and seen uh, Jesse Rogers at the uh, Lit Fest yesterday. I could have gone to Lit Fest. Yeah. Actually, Freddie, you know, I was going to go over there, but I wanted to go to the game. Uh, and I've actually been to Lit Fest with our, our buddy John Greenberg before, so I checked that one off, although I did want to see Jesse, but I wanted to see the game a little more. Did um, were you at the game early enough? Because if you weren't there, if you got there after the first <laughs> inning, you saw no run scored. You know, it's funny. I got there at the top of the second, and I had a great seat. I was sitting in the sun. I'm thinking, okay, like this will be good. And you know, it was good in the sense that Lester was pitching and he was awesome. And that game was rolling. But, yeah, I didn't see any runs yesterday. I was a little late to the party. I'm surprised I didn't get an invite to this game uh, in the fourth inning again, Nick. Well, yeah, here's I, the I, problem. I only bought a single because I couldn't find anybody to go. You two jokers have told me no so many times lately. No, nope, you're avoiding the weeks. question. You're avoiding the okay, question. Uh, let me I have only the floor. bought one Nick, ticket. Nick, stop. I bought one, not two this time. How okay, about that? Okay, so here's the deal, Fred. Do we bring this up now, or do we get some basketball questions out of Nick before he decides to hang up on us? Because if we want to go down the road where he might hang up on us, we could talk about the story from Tuesday night when he invited me to a baseball game at 8.05 that started at 7 o'clock. Now, okay. now, now, hold on, Nick. Nick, hold on. 8.05. You, yeah, texted me. Text message. you texted me at 8.05. The game was going into the top of the fourth inning, and you no, said, no, 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 hey, no, do you no, want no. to roll up the to the game? It was the top of the third when I sent this text. Here's, here's oh, it what It must have disappeared for a half an hour then. <laughs> here's what happened. Here's what, no, I, I already told Mr. Abdallah this whole story, so he knows. I had gone on uh, sports feed at WGN uh, with, our, with our buddies, uh, uh, Jared Payton and Josh Friedman, yep. and so I'm coming back from WGN. I'm like, ah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I was actually supposed to go with. Uh, we got a lot of uh, name references in this story. I was supposed to go with Mr. Finfer. I was supposed to go with Ben to Wrigley on Tuesday night. So I was going to go from WGN the studios over to Wrigley, and so I'm texting Ben and I say, "Where do you want me to meet you?" And he's like, "What?" I said, yeah, I'm, I'm coming to Wrigley right now. Where do you want me to meet you? He goes, no, I have the tickets for tomorrow. And I was already planning on going to the Paul Simon concert the next night. So I was like, oh, damn, I can't go tonight. So then I'm in the Uber going to Wrigley, and I look at my phone. I'm like, eh, you know, it is Wrigley, and it's still awesome. And my man Hendricks was pitching. So I buy two tickets on StubHub for like six bucks. And so I get into the game. It's already late because by the time you, you go through security and you get your tickets checked, you get into the game. And I walk into the game, and who do I see? I see our friend John Greenberg and Kelly Kroll from uh, NBC Sports Chicago. So then I talk to them for a while, and they're like, what the hell are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm just going to the game. I bought two tickets because it was cheaper to buy two tickets, uh, pro tip. Cheaper, cheaper to buy two tickets on StubHub than it is to buy one usually. So then I started on the 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 the, the text when I got to my seat. Okay, all right, all right, stop there, stop jokers. there. Where and was where no. where did Abdallah and I rank in the the group of friends that you asked to come join you into the fourth inning of a baseball game? I, I think you guys were at the top because I knew it was going to be tougher for for Mr. Black to get over there because uh, he's not in his old spot. In Wrigleyville, I was really disappointed when I text Mr. Abdallah. I think I texted Mr. Abdallah first. He did, and and I text him, and he's like, "I'm watching The Bachelorette. Yeah. Sorry, 
And I, my whole, the whole text was, hey, I bought these two, these two tickets. They're really cheap. Just come over for a couple innings and, and sit with me. And it's like, I love you. I'm watching the Bachelorette. Catch you later. First of all, it was like 55 degrees. It was like 50 degrees. It was cold on yeah, Tuesday. The smartest move cold. I made, by the way. Were, I, I brought a winter coat to that game. They were already was losing. It was like three or four to nothing. I'm not going to the game. Uh, see, By the I time I walk in, over there, it's like a 15-minute walk. I would you. I, in fact, I ran into our pal Jacob Nitzberg. I mean, Drop I some more names. names. Drop no, more names. Drop more like, names. Uh, I'm like, this is like a Wilbon story here. Like, oh, yeah. Like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> but so, I, you know, I run into Jacob, and he's in the game with a couple buddies, so I end up sitting with them, which was great. But I had this ticket. You know, Freddie, it is a sign for the summer. I, I need to go to more festivals. Right. Go to more Cubs games and make some more friends. Well, you know what? Wow. It would have been wow. it would have yeah. been nice if Abdallah invited you to come over to watch the Bachelorette with him. Yeah, like, hey, come over to schoolyard after you're done. We'll get a beer. It'll be great. I invited uh, you to the schoolyard last night. You didn't want to come. That's not true. I texted you. At, I texted you at midnight show? or whatever. No. I saw it, no. and I'm like, hey, you guys still there? No answer. No, you didn't. So, Oh, check your phone. All right, there, all right, all right. Okay. Nick, uh, can we talk basketball now uh, that we've gotten the uh, your bad guy move of asking people to join you at baseball games? <laughs> is that really a bad guy move, though? Yeah, of I, course I don't it think is. That's a bad guy Fred, move. Is that at a all. good move or a like, bad move? Well, hey, you know, I had an extra ticket. I was going through the phone. I wasn't expecting much more than a few innings, and I just got totally rejected on all levels. Anybody that's listening can f- pick up one thing from this first uh, eight or nine minutes of this interview. Mm hmm. Nick is looking for friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the one thing, yeah. I think, right. we, need to, I think we need to have a bachelorette yeah. for Nick. Yeah, right. Oh, of, of, man. Of friends. <laughs> Festival for Dell. I got I, I to gotta let Nick know that like a, a Saturday or something, I'm going to be down here, and then after I'm done working with Murph, I can go to a game with Nick. Right, that's done. Yeah, that's I'd love to happen. go to a game I'm gonna with I'm going to go through the, t- the whatever tickets I have left now. I'm going to find a Saturday and we're yeah, going. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, because you have nothing but free, uh, free time now, because and basketball's over with, at well, least for, now, at least for 11 I was days, right? I the schedule. And Chris understands this because I am sure we'll be at the draft, uh, at the draft show at the Advocate Center. First, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Well, yeah, it's like a week and a half, isn't it? Yeah, eleven yeah. days. Yeah, it's coming. So, so I've got like a week and a half of of checking out the festivals and, and going to see. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go hit the aquarium here. I haven't been over there yet in all this time, and the field museum. So I'm going to go do all these things, but. It's like a week and a half because once the draft comes and then goes, then you've got the the press conference to introduce whoever the the prospects are. Then free agency ties up that last the weekend before getting into free agency. Then it goes from free agency, and then I go to Vegas for summer league for who knows how long because I've I've been covering these extra teams uh, in the last year and a half or so. So. The July is going to be much tougher for my my tour to Chicago here, but uh, I got this week and a half to. If anybody's got some good suggestions for me, if anyone wants to hang out, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I'm I'm going into different places. I've been walking around a lot, seeing new neighborhoods. So, you know, we'll get a beer somewhere. Walking is probably good for you. Hey, twenty one thousand. Steps yesterday. Twenty-one steps much. yesterday. Twenty-one thousand steps. Twenty-one thousand steps. That's Congrats. a lot. That's good. That's I, good. I love that he couldn't even he couldn't even let that one slide. Like, hey, that sounds like a cool idea. 
walking is probably good for you. I don't yeah, I got it. it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I'm on it. I'm it's on it. I've been sleeping more. I've been trying to eat a little better. I mean, it is a little, it's a little change of pace for me here. Nick, uh, where's LeBron going to sign? Uh, I, you know, I asked that question to our uh, our buddy Dave McMenamin recently, and he, he he didn't answer the question because I don't think anybody really knows. The only thing I'd say, guys, is as I talk to all these different people uh, in and around the league that, that nobody really has any firm uh, clue here, I'd say that it's not said and done that he's out of Cleveland. I think Cleveland has more of a chance than people are giving them credit for because his family is comfortable there. He's got three young kids and two sons who he wants to watch play basketball uh, as they, they grow up a little more. And it's in the East. And if you're Dan Gilbert, the Cavs owner, and Kobe Altman, the GM, you say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do whatever you need us to do to this roster, so that you feel like you can stay here and really try to be competitive again and knock off Golden State." And the reason I still believe Cleveland has a better chance is because you can put guys, you can put LeBron on any team right now. At least this is my opinion on any team. And I don't think, unless that team is Golden State, I don't think that that team is better than Golden State. I think if Golden State stays healthy, I don't care where LeBron goes uh, because I, I, I still think they're the best team and nobody's going to beat them. So that's the issue he's facing, and that's why, I, like the rest of the world, I don't know where he's going to land in a few weeks, but I do think that Cleveland has a better chance still uh, than people believe. Who do you think, if in fact he did stay in Cleveland, what do you think, what other free agent out there do you think, I mean, you think uh, Paul George is a, is a guy to go to Cleveland? What else do you think would they would need? Because, you know, they picked up a lot of guys in the middle of the season, and we saw how that worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't. Right. <laughs> it didn't, Freddie. I, I, Zach Lowe had an interesting point in one of his uh, most recent columns on ESPN.com. He was saying, if you have Kevin Love, and you have the eighth pick. Maybe that is your last chance to package those two things for somebody. And who is that somebody? I mean, can they? Could they possibly get Kawhi? Uh, could they get uh, somebody else to go play there? I, I don't know. I don't know. But the 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 reality is, it's still home, and he's still in the East. And that if you're LeBron, and this is this ties into. Uh, you know, going to Houston or, or going to L.A., two destinations that have been uh, popular, uh, certainly with the Lakers the last couple of years, but the Rockets, I'd say, in the last few weeks more. Uh, if you're if you're one of those teams and you don't uh, land in a spot where <laughs> where you can get a, a safe chance to get to Golden State in the Western Conference Finals, there's a chance you're knocked out in the second round. I mean, this is this is the issue. Uh, and Chris and I were going back and forth on this the other day with Houston. It's like you have James Harden and Chris Paul, and let's say you bring in LeBron, then you've got to gut the rest of that solid core, uh, that bench core that helped get you to the place that Houston got to begin with. So uh, the reality for LeBron is he, he helped create what we've seen in the league with these super teams and stars pairing up, and it's coming back to bite him a little bit because – or a lot, because Golden State has done it at a higher level than even those Miami teams did it. 
and they're not going anywhere. I mean, ownership is going to re-sign all these guys, and there's no there's no safe place for LeBron to go where you think, okay, he's on Team X, and now they're ready to dominate. Nick, what did you make of the story this week for, This week from Jonathan Gavoni talking about the Bulls not going to the Euro camp that cost $10,000 and the backlash that uh, Garpax kind of took throughout the week over the fact that they were the only team out of 30 that did not attend this camp? What did you make of the whole story? It, I mean, it was just a bad look, Chris. It's just a bad, bad look. Uh, the optics are terrible. Uh, I saw Pax's statement uh, to KC. Uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, I know how much the Bulls trust uh, Ivica Duke and the, the director of international scouting. Pax is right. I mean, he's done a hell of a job. He, he, he found Nico. He's found lots of prospects over time. Uh, and, and they may well be aware of every prospect at that camp, for sure. I understand. I understand the, uh, the argument. Here's the issue. When you have a fan base that believes uh, rightly or, uh, or wrongly, that you are cheap, and you have all these season ticket holders who are so angry with some of the decisions that front office and ownership have made over the last few years. When a story like that comes out, and and guys, come on, let's be real here. The Bulls have plenty of money, (laughs) plenty of money. They got the ten grand. Uh, I'm sure they just thought, you know, we've seen these guys. We don't need to see them. This is a a camp uh, that that was built for teams that haven't uh, put the time in. Uh, as much around the globe. Uh, but, you know, that's another knock on the Bulls, Chris, and it's something that, that we've heard for a while is, hey, they've got really good people in the scouting department. They just don't have a very deep scouting department. They, they don't have a as many people, as much manpower as a lot of other teams around the league anymore. And I know that I know that the Bulls are a very proud organization, that, that they want to try and get back uh, – to, to prominence here, and they're trying to build it back up. But when you sell your pick for $3.5 million, and that pick turns into a guy. Now, now let's be clear on this, too. The Bulls swear up and down that they weren't going to take Jordan Bell anyway. And this goes back a year, that he wasn't even, he wasn't even on uh, their board as far as possibilities in that spot. But uh, you sell that pick for $3.5 million, and that guy is a help, uh, a helpful asset for a team that just won another title. And you don't go to a, a an international camp in Treviso where the rest of the league is uh, for a ten grand entry fee. I mean, it's just a it's a terrible, terrible look. That's what it is. It's it's bad, bad optics uh, for a proud team. So you know the Bulls can can tell you whatever they want, and I respect. Uh, a lot of people in in the Advocate Center and, and over the years have gotten to know a lot of them. That the explanations are fine, but when you aren't there and and you're making these moves, you open yourself up to criticism, and it's a criticism that's been heard not only around the league for a while, but within the fan base. And I just close, uh, you know, with this part: there are a lot of season ticket holders, guys, and I hear from them all the time that are really fed up with what's going on uh, within the organization. And, you know, everybody points to it. I was was having this conversation with Waddle and Sylvie a few days ago. Everybody points to all the attendants. They're they're still at the top or near the top. That's great. I'm just telling you right now, if this keeps up with this team not winning a lot of games and not not going in the right direction, those seats are not going to be filled anymore. 
And towards the end of the season, when they were tanking, it got pretty empty at times in the United Center. So I know everybody focuses on how much support they've had over the years, but uh, a new day is coming. Uh, And if they don't hit with this pick, whomever it is, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in place because uh, fans are so angry and are getting apathetic at the product they've been seeing. Speaking of picks, the story from Joe Cowley, I just dropped the name there, there you go, uh, in the uh, Sun-Times saying that the Bulls might be higher on Trey Young than people think because of their dissatisfaction? Dissatisfaction? Yeah, dissatisfaction. Go with it. With uh, Chris Dunn's off-season workout, what have you heard about that? Well, as far as the Trey Young part goes, Adam, I I think there there are a few people in that building that, that like him a lot. And I, this is just my opinion. I, if they draft Trey Young, oh, oh my gosh! And you never know. I mean, we we've all sat at, at the, on on those draft shows at, at various points through the years. You never know for sure how any of these guys are going to turn out. And even in this draft, I mean, I really like Aiden a lot, but there I don't believe there are any sure sure things where you know for certain that guy's going to come in and and go off for twenty five and ten or something. Uh, but if they draft Trey Young, oh, I, I just think that is a, a huge, huge uh, mistake. But uh, off that point, and uh, to what Joe was saying, look, I, I don't think that they're all that worried about Chris Dunn. I think he's going to get into the gym and put plenty of time in uh, throughout the summer. Uh, I, I just believe that they're still, and this is a this is a broader conversation about the point guard stuff. They're still not sold that Chris Dunn is the guy. And they saw a lot of good flashes last season. Then he got hurt, uh, and he started to play better. But they're not sure that he is the guy they want to build around as far as their their point guard of the future. Uh, I don't believe that Trey Young is that guy. I think they should steer very clear because I think he is really small. Uh, I think he turns the ball over way, way too much, and he's a terrible defender. Uh, But... The, the issue for the Bulls is if you're not sold on Dunn and there are other point guards out there, you've got to take a look. But this is a gigantic season for Dunn moving forward. And I think part of that is you know, they're just trying to get him to, to, to put in a ton of time and, and build off what he was trying to do last season. Uh, you know, Can he do it? We're going to find out. But if he can't, then we're, we're having the same conversation a year from now, and they still don't have a point guard that they feel uh, like they can build with marketing as part of that core uh, for years to come. So going full circle, on Tuesday night when you were texting me uh, <laughs> through the first three innings of a baseball game to come join you at Wrigley, I was watching the NBA draft show with Woj and Cassidy Hubbard, and Adrian Morjanowski said that the Bulls are going to be sneaky in free agency this summer. What do you make of that? Do you, do you think Woj is pointing at something specific, or what has he heard that, that we can kind of keep our eyes on with the Bulls in free agency? Well, Chris, I think what, what Adrian's referencing is the cap space. Uh, and uh, Bobby Marsh pointed out that you know, the Bulls are only one of, one of seven teams that even has cap space, and we're looking at a number that's probably going to be around $25 million or so. Uh, when when everything opens up in a couple weeks, and that is, you know, we're, we're sitting here, we're we're having these conversations about the front office. I, I give Garm Pax a lot of credit for this. They knew that there were going to be a lot of bad deals signed uh, long term a couple years ago when when the cap numbers really went crazy because the new TV deals, 
And to their credit, aside from the insane deal they gave Dwayne Wade and the Felicio deal that looks awful uh, right now, uh, they really have not made those complete cap-crippling disaster moves uh, that can that can crush a, a franchise long term. So when you look at the names that are going to be out there this summer, for the Bulls, you got to decide, all right, is a guy, is a restricted free agent like a Julius Randle, uh, a Clint Capella out of Houston? I mean, are those two guys that you look at and you say, okay, we're going to put this guy with marketing and things are going to be good for us moving forward? <clears throat> we'll see. Uh, I don't believe, Chris, even with the space, that they should go make some major move because, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think they have uh, enough right now to even be that close. I think they are multiple pieces away from from having any kind of threat not only to get back into the playoffs but do any kind of damage once they they do get there so i think their best move and they are best served to save the space that they have into to play for another day and play for a year next summer where there are a ton ton of uh, big time free agents you can build up your core hopefully with this seven pick or whatever you decide to do with it and you can sell them on, hey, we got a couple really, really strong pieces, uh, and we're not that far away playing one of the biggest media markets in the country. Nick, it'll be interesting. you got 11 days till the draft. We'll be talking to you soon. Thanks a lot for jumping on in. Try and stay dry if you're walking the streets today, okay? <laughs> All right, done deal, Freddie. Okay. I'll talk to you guys later. Take it easy. Bye, Nick. Nick Friedel, our wandering reporter. <laughs> we're obviously going to talk to Nick next week because it's the, the week before the draft <laughs> and stuff, but yeah. I yeah. think that we should get a weekly summer report about from where Nick, Nick's going, about yeah. what Nick has done in the city that week and like yeah. what he's seen. Well, it's basically a Food Network show where yeah. the guy only goes to burger spots. So we had this great yeah. idea for a show with Nick, and I know we're, we're up against clock, so I'll be quick. We had this great show idea for Nick where he goes to all these great cities and covers the – this is when he was on the Bulls beat. Right. And, and not just – not international uh, uh, NBA Man reporter. Of mystery. Yeah. yeah. So – uh, he would go to all these great cities, and he would go to like the best restaurants in in the cities. Like oh, I'm in L.A., I'm at the greatest restaurant in L.A. I'm gonna have a burger, and he yeah, would go. Burger. He would yeah, go yeah, to the like, greatest like, restaurants. He's in, had some in, fancy restaurant yeah. in yeah. France, Paris, France, sure. and they're like have you know all this. I'll have the burger. I'll have the burger. He goes. <laughs> and it's, it's just him going to fancy, <laughs> stupid restaurants, and he's getting the burger. From what I understand, the burger at Chicago Cut is one of the best burgers in. Uh, well, in town. A burger and a heard, steak yeah. joint yeah, makes sense been, because yeah. it's right. some of the I best know. meat. Right. So yeah. it yeah. makes sense. If you go to a French place and ask them for a burger, they, they're likely going to kick you out. Well, it's right. like going to Joe's and getting yeah. the fried chicken. Like yeah. I've heard it's amazing fried chicken, but I'm not, I'm going to get the I'm going to get yeah. fish. I'm, yeah. I'm going to name drop. Nick and I lunch sometimes <laughs> at Joe's and we get the turkey sandwich and the burger. It's awesome. But it's simple. Sure. It's I'll, great. I'll take the stone crab. There you go. <laughs> Uh, we come back some baseball here in the final half hour. I get a couple of things. There's an article in the paper today. Manfred looks at ways to increase offense. And oh no, maybe he should juice the ball. Wait. Oh man. And um, a question that uh, was posed by Buster only, and he'll he'll actually be on TV tonight because he always does it. He posts his question and he talks to you about what the results were. Um, his question was: We've got the Mets and Yankees Sunday night baseball. If the MLB expands to 32 teams with an equal number of teams in both leagues, would you like Interleague to continue? Your thoughts on that, 312-332-3776. Black Abdallah Hubner here till the top of the hour on ESPN 1000. 
This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Chris Black, Fred Hubner, Adam Abdallah. A couple of questions I asked you guys, or mentioned to you. I asked, actually I asked you one question before uh, the break. And that was from Buster Olney. And he was saying, if the MLB expands to 32 teams with an equal number of teams in both leagues, would you like interleague to continue? I know my answer. And if you want to jump in, 312-332-3776. What do you guys think? Are you fans of interleague? Do you think if they have 32 teams, they should just continue interleague? Right now, they have to have an interleague game every day because they have an... 15 and 15. Right. So they're kind of, you can't play all National League or all American League. So there has to be at least one interleague game every day. What do you think about interleague play and do you think it should continue? I think it was a uh, novel idea years ago that kind of gave baseball some uh, fun spark halfway through the season. I think now it's been watered down to the point where it's not even special. Uh, I'm the one on the air that always points that Cubs and White Sox is not actually a real rivalry on the field. It's a fabricated one through interleague play that really doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. It's fun to make fun of your neighbor if he's a Sox fan or a Cub fan, and that that's always fun no matter who that person is, a fan of it, that team. you know, I make fun of Abdallah for being an Alabama Crimson Tide fan just right. as he makes fun of me being a USC fan. So it doesn't have to be two teams in the same city. And I think in today's day and age, I don't think it's special. I don't think it's necessary. I could see making the argument that trying to keep the teams that live in the same city to play at least one or two series a year, that could be interesting still. But Padres and White Sox, right. that's not interesting. Yeah. And it's unnecessary. Don't, why? Why Everybody should just play everybody. What difference does it make? Everybody plays everybody well, in the well, NBA. Because baseball makes it this special thing. Now, if you want to reshuffle everything and it doesn't matter about interleague, you're not selling it as interleague play, you're just playing your schedule, then I can I see that too. I, first of all, I think that National League should get rid of the should get rid of the should add the DH. So then every so then it's all equal. Same right? rules. And everybody's playing by the same rules. It's weird that in two sports that in one sport the leagues have different rules. It's not like the 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 AFC and the NFC play different sets of rules for football. Right. So have the same rules, and everybody should be playing everybody. What difference does it make? Like, yeah. I think. Look, if I I understand that it, baseball is very regional, but if I want to see a team like like I would like I like seeing the Red Sox coming in and, and playing right. both the White Sox and the Cubs. You know what I mean? Like sure. everybody should be playing everybody. It's, I don't think it's like it's the same in college football. I think you should play every the SEC. Should, everybody should play. Like you should have all SEC games. Like there shouldn't be all these smaller playing the smaller schools. I think you should be when you have as long of a schedule as baseball does. There's no reason why everybody shouldn't play everybody. So, Fred, are you against yeah. interleague play then? I, yeah, yeah I, I'm done. I, I, what, what difference is it? So, what well, the, it, so it you're going to play the Brewers seven more times? Yeah. Who cares? Because I want them, I want them to split it so it's American League, National League. So then why are we playing way? 162 baseball games if i got to play the Brewers did. 25 times? That's what they always did. Because they're in your division. Right, they're in your division. Well, you play well you're stupid. Now, see, before <laughs> before any of this happens, I mean, there's a, there's a better chance that they will split it all up and get rid of American League and National. National League and and split the divisions and make regional divisions, but that's going to
going to flip a lot of people out. Oh, yeah. And then you're going to get the Sox playing the Brewers and the Sox playing the Cubs and the Sox playing the Cardinals and the Cubs playing the Royals, and you're going to have all that kind of stuff, and it's going to be different divisions. I, I watched Batman Begins yesterday, and the reason I bring it up is because okay. I, feel like, I feel like I feel like I'm Raza Ghoul, and baseball just needs – baseball's had its time. And now we just need to blow it up and, and basically restart baseball. Because there's always, because you're going to tell me Manfred wants to create new, the new offense, right? That's, That's the next right question. Yeah. That's the next note. That's the next, uh, yep. Fred's notes, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Fred's so, notes. Yeah. So just, let's just start over. Can we just start? Because then, you know what? Stats don't matter. We're all even again and it, it'll all be fine. We don't, you can make it the way you want to. Everybody will be happy. Well, he said increase offense. You know what I'd like to see him do? I'd like to see them deaden the ball yeah. because then there won't be as many home runs. Then there'll be more action and more balls in play. Now, here are the, some of the numbers. And anyway, that was our opinion. You said, uh, Chris, you said to get rid of it. Yeah, I'm with you. Except Fred. for, yeah, you. I don't even want Sox playing the Cubs anymore. Well, I, I thought I, it was. What? They're in the same city. Let them play each no, other. No, no, okay, no. But I, I, I get Fred's point. But if people are going to whine and cry over interleague, I do understand the people that are like, well, it's cool to have cities that have two teams. But what are you going to do with the other teams? What are you going to what, what do, do with. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with Colorado? Who are they going to play? There's nobody for them to play. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So just be done with so it. So we've done with it all together. I'm, I'm fine with that. With that. I'm fine with everybody. It. Okay. There's 162 games. Here are some numbers. The National League average this heading into this weekend, 244. American League's hitting 248. The NL, this is almost amazing. Actually, it is amazing. The National League has 351 more strikeouts than hits, while the American League has... Only 34 more hits than strikeouts. Now, I guess it makes sense. The National League has the pitchers hitting. So they're going to have a lot more strikeouts than the American League is. <laughs> that's that's reason alone to get rid of oh, no, no, I agree pitchers with, hitting. Yeah, I, I, either one or the other. And that's yeah. one of my biggest things. You can't say there's... You can't say that you have teams and you're looking for um, you know equal play in baseball and then have one team play with a designated hitter and the other one's not. But anyway... Um, Rob Manfred comes out and says it's more than just pace that we have to worry about. We've we've seen pace is the easiest thing to clean up, but now action in the game is really important. The time between balls and play is something that we're looking hard into. And I talked with Tony Clark, the players' union head, and would like to have start a dialogue. Manfred seemed to suggest they could do something about defensive shifting, an issue he complained about when he took office. This gets even gets me even more aggravated as I continue to read it. it says here many of us were of the view that players would adjust and learn how to take advantage of it. But it seems that they've adjusted to a different way of electing to take it over. Um, that the tough thing with rule changes, you never know how the human beings are going to react. He's right that with defensive changes, what you're supposed to do is right. you're supposed to adjust. Mm -hmm. right. So you're supposed to hit the other way. Mm -hmm. But instead, baseball players say, well, you know, forget that. We'll just either hit a home run or make it out. We don't mm -hmm. care. Right. And you can't take you can't take defensive shifting out of the game it's like saying we know the guy's gonna hit the ball here but we can't play there so wait 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 wait. Yeah. manfred wants to make a rule where you can't move yeah just go stand in your little spot jimmy well, what? Uh, just go Hardy. stand in go stand in your spot and put your glove up how and hopefully gonna, hopefully the ball will hit the glove how are you going to police that? Joe Girardi said the same thing last year. He wanted yeah. to get rid of defensive shifting. How, are you, how is it something you can police? That, well, the right. only thing you could say is that you can only have two guys on each side of the second of second base. Yeah. So that would mean that even the guy that shifted would have to be 
on the other side. It's basically the would have to be on the other the side. The more I want to like this sport, the more I, I hate know. Uh, the more I hate it. That, but, like that's but, the, that would be the dumbest thing like, in the it's world. It's like in the NFL saying you have to have eight in the box. What? Well, they're doing it for kickoffs. Okay? You know what I'm saying? But that's like, a safety isn't thing, that... though. That's different. I can I can understand you're trying to make the yeah, game I'm, safer. I'm talking okay. schematics, right? right? Because like the thing that, to Abdallah's point, is irritating as a kid growing up learning about baseball and then learning about other sports. It seems as if strategy, as if it's not in the specific line of strategy that everyone from from the olden days played with. You're like, not, it's not okay in baseball. Yeah. Like, thinking outside the box in baseball apparently is frowned upon. So when teams come around, they're like, you know what? It makes no sense to play two guys on the infield over there. If this hitter never hits it on that side of the infield. So yeah. everyone switches over. Everyone's moving the defense. And then now that's a problem because teams are using strategy. That yeah. That's bothersome. It, it, it's be, very it, bothersome. It'd be like now the NBA saying, oh, you know what? All these kids shooting these threes, that's not cool. We're done. We're done. We're taking away the three-point line. Well, my, no, there's no threes anymore. My problem, and I did. I know I've told Chris about this. My problem is that in the NBA, you can play zone defense, but you can get called for an illegal zone. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's BS as far as I'm concerned because. If you can play a zone, you should be able to play anything and let the other guys figure it out. You yeah. shouldn't say, well, no, 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 he's got his foot in the, in the lane. That's a, You can't say illegal defense. Mm-hmm. See, That's crazy. See, I think if zone defense was implemented now with what we know, there wouldn't be illegal zone defense because the the drawback originally when you would implement the zone was They'd that. to shoot from the outside. Shoot from the outside and people wouldn't take advantage of it because – they couldn't, quote, unquote, couldn't shoot. But now that everyone understands that yeah. the better you are from three-point range, the better you are as a player and the better the team can be, that would completely blow that out the window. So it's unnecessary now because, like, okay, dare me to shoot. Right. You want to give an NBA player an open three-point shot every time down the floor? Fine. Yeah. We'll you, know where the, you, know, you know where the rules don't change and, 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 and what, what, what is it just a spectacle every time? The, the horses always run the same distance around the track. Oh, no, you know they, that? No, they don't. Though. They do, no, no. But if the Belmont's the Belmont, okay. And the the the, the distance in the Preakness you, is you the, don't the know what type of oats and hay. And the uh, Kentucky Derby is, is is and for hundreds for 150 years. Just the Belmont you, just for you guys. I had Eric look up the ratings for uh, hockey, basketball, and horse racing. We'll get to that. When we come back. Ooh, By hey, the way, I, I want to tell you what I what the the one sporting thing that I love. This time of year, okay. it's one of my favorite things. Okay, and I'm not. I'm not being. This isn't a joke at all. Like okay. this is completely serious. It's one of my favorite things of the year. And by the way, congrats to Kurt from South Elgin. You right, won the Kurt. Steve Miller and Peter Frampton tickets. You can uh, get those tickets at uh, Ticketmaster.com. Concert coming up June 14th as the two guys are teaming up at the Huntington Bank Pavilion at Northerly Island. Black Abdallah Hubner will wrap things up. We come back after this on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Huebner, along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. Before we get to uh, Adam's sporting event, I was at one last night. I was at the uh, Chicago Fire game, and uh, it was frustrating. Schweinsteiger, Katai, back to Schweinsteiger. Got a head to it. Awkward bounce. Sanchez deals with it. Fagundes steals. Bunbury buries it. New England in the 
82nd minute, a mistake, and Teal Bunbury takes advantage and secures this 1-1 scoreline late. Yeah, that was Dan Kelly with the call on ESPN Plus. The Chicago Fire, New England Revolution, a 1-1 draw last night. And Adam and Chris, I I relate this to, uh, I mentioned this to all sports, kind of. A center back in in soccer, a goalkeeper in soccer, a goalie in hockey, uh, an offensive lineman in football. You could, as an offensive lineman, you could block the eye across from you 73 times. And that 74th time, he gets past you, sacks a quarterback, quarterback fumbles, they recover the ball, go for a touchdown. Game over, over, you lose. Game over. Mm-hmm. So you had, a, you had a bad game. Last night, Richard Sanchez for the fire makes a couple of really nice stops, made a couple of nice saves. Then late in the game, 82nd minute, ball in the box, the defender heads it, it goes backwards towards the, the touch line, the end line. The goalie, the keeper for the fire tries to grab it, goes off his hands into the foot, the, right at the feet of uh, the New England Revolution player who puts it in the middle, and the guy taps it in. And it's, it's like, oh, really? After Schweinsteiger scores a nice goal and everything's happy and everybody's eight minutes to go, and you know, you guys know this, you're soccer fans, everybody oh, yeah. watches soccer or even hockey, you know, basically they're the same sports, just on mm-hmm. different surfaces. Um, giving up a goal when you, have the, you think you got the win. You got eight minutes to go. You're playing well, and then boom, something like that happens. They could have at least scored again, so I could have hit the over. But you know. Yeah, I know. And they had opportunities. They, know. You know, both teams hit the post. Uh, both teams hit one just wide. So, yeah, it was uh, uh, the fire play. I think they play next Wednesday in Colorado. We are five days away from the World Cup. Four yeah, days now. A, four days. Yeah. Four days now. Well, yeah. yeah. Starts on uh, five Thursday. From your, five from your Five World from Cup. my game, yeah. 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 Thursday, 10 o'clock a.m., uh, Russia, Saudi Arabia kicks off the World Cup in We'll uh, we'll follow these games next Sunday morning because Sunday morning next week there are three games yep. that take place on Sunday. There will be a full slate of games on Saturday, and uh, I read an interesting uh, uh, column in the Washington Post yesterday from Roger Bennett oh, from Men in Blazers. Right? Wait, wait, is there a problem that I read, I read something? I read. If I read. <laughs> well, if you would have said you read the Wall Street Journal, maybe. We would well, you 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 guys know Roger Bennett from <laughs> yes, Men in Blazers. Yes, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole point of the column was. The USA is not involved in this World Cup, mm-hmm. but the imprint on USA soccer culture will be all over it because more Americans bought tickets to the games in Russia than any other country, and any other really, country for okay. this this event. Uh, the TV ratings in this country for all of these teams playing in the World Cup will be huge. Mm-hmm. And really, even though we keep saying that eventually soccer will take over in America. Seeing all the teams from the Premier League and the Euro teams come over on their summer tours and have such a big imprint here yep. that really soccer is here. It's just our own brand of soccer, the MLS and the U.S. men's national team. We just don't compete at the same level as the superpowers, but Americans are consuming soccer. Yeah, and that, that's what the whole column yeah. was about, is that even though the U.S. is not involved, the U.S. is a heavy player in who's going to watch the World Cup mm-hmm. and who's going to consume the World Cup by traveling and attending these games. We so got, find yourself a team. Yeah, we get to go see Man City and Dortmund when they come to yeah, Soldier Field uh, in July. Also, real quickly, NBA Game 4 ratings, 12.9 million viewers. NHL Game 5, fifth and deciding game, 4.4 million. And the Belmont, this might surprise you too, 9.9 rating. It was an afternoon. The NBA was at night. NBA 12.9, Belmont 9.9. It was a 12.3 rating when American Pharaoh was going for his. Was it? Uh, his okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I would say, uh, to answer your question, Fred, or to your statement, uh, it does not surprise me because it's two minutes out of your day and it's a live event. Whenever you have a live event that everyone can just tune in and see and be done with it. Yeah, but the ratings were for more than two minutes, though. I understand it's what you're saying. It's the whole show, yeah. Yeah, yeah but you, you... Five hours of coverage. It's a two-minute sporting yeah. event. Yeah. It, listen, and the NBA, for, for being, quote, down because it's the same two teams going against each other, still doing pretty well. But how about hockey? I mean... I know. Speaking of hockey, Yikes. I don't like it. Which is your but, one sport? Is this the one we're going to get to? Yeah. Okay. My favorite sporting event is watching the <laughs> cup celebrations. Like, if you've been following what yeah. Alex, what uh, Ovechkin has yeah. is, is been doing with the cup, yeah. there's pictures out today of him in bed yep. with someone and the cup. <laughs> It's awesome. And him, like him going into the fountain with it and doing a keg stand with it. I love the post Stanley Cup, following the cup around and watching someone who's, especially like Ovechkin, who's been waiting his entire life and gone so long without winning it, to finally win it. He's going nuts. Yes, he and is. it's awesome. Thanks, Remember Eric. We used to do that here. I know. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, three years. Yeah. Uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, Eric Ostrowski. Thanks for listening here on ESPN 1000.